My next guest is a friend of mine who I've known for about 20 years, and I knew him and a group of Nutter friends of ours that we've all hung out with, and we, we, we all hung out together. And he was this uh, introverted person who I didn't really talk to a whole lot other than he played in the high school band. He played a baritone and, and, the, uh, and the, the euphonium, which is the same thing. And I had no idea anything about him. And so when he said yes to come on to my show, I was really amazed by the stuff that he went through, the things that he did. And, um, and I, just got a, I just had a lot of fun talking to him and learning about, learning about his life. And so with his passion and his drive to reach people and share the message, it gave me, it, 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 I learned a lot from him and I was able to get a lot out of him and just get this over, overwhelming feeling that this guy is, he's, he's passionate about his beliefs. He's passionate about his God, where he wants to share the message as much as he can and evangelize to bring people to Christ. And that is a beautiful thing in itself. So, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Edwards. Church Table Productions, I'm Dan Lewis, and this is the show we talk about the who, what, where, when, how, and why we believe what we believe. You, what you believe, what you believe. It's an open mic. There is no judgment. Whatever you believe, it's a beautiful thing, man. So today's, this episode is um, my very special guest today is uh, a guy I've known since high school and um, from high school band. And he, I met him through a group of people, other guys, mm-hmm. and we, we, I didn't really hang out with you a whole lot other than through him, other than this. And, and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll text in this episode. So I'll tell him it's Dave Stanley. And Dave Stanley is this incredible person who just went out of his way to help those who, needed help who needed some guidance and to show us how we uh, how to love Jesus in other ways than what we're normally used to so when um, when I met this particular guy on my guest today he um, you played the uh, baritone euphonium that's right and and I did and, I, and, I, and that's really all I really know about you other than being this really nice guy a very genuine person and um, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is, um, uh, holy cow. Michael Edwards. <laughs> Michael Edwards. And so, Mike, hey, man. Hey. Mike, thank you for coming on to the show. I'm really happy that you showed up onto the show, and I'm really glad you said yes. And um, hi, man. Hey, it's good to be here. It's, it's an <laughs> honor. I've listened to every podcast so far, and all of your guests have just been truly unique in every way. Yeah. And I am just so thankful I get to listen and just find out so much more and i mean i've known you for a long time through high school and then uh through these past couple of years we've been able to get together for various events and such and so i guess at this point uh you probably want to gather a bit of history and learn a bit more yeah man so uh, i'm gonna so the way the show works i'm gonna ask you a question and then you're gonna tell us your testimony basically of who's mike and where did Mike come from, and how and how did you come today? So, um, Mike, are you ready? 
ready let's roll with this all right man cool so the first question is and it's a two-part question is uh when were you born and you don't get age yourself you don't want to so when were you born and uh, your family what was it like at that point okay so i was uh born in omaha nebraska and uh born in the mid 70s if you really want to reference i was born the day before mayam bialik who plays amy farrah fowler on the big bang theory she is one of my favorite actresses okay <laughs> and so born then and then uh we moved around a lot we mo- we lived in nebraska and then it at when i was one we moved to new mexico when i was three we moved to colorado when i was five we moved to texas my dad just decided to change jobs often and being a young child i just had to be along for the ride and yeah keep it fresh huh? it kept me fresh but my parents are originally from texas and okay. so basically from in the mid in late 70s they were out of texas and then now and then in 81 we moved back to texas we moved to Carrollton, and so in 81 here i go to Carrollton, and here we here we are and so in regards i will say i'll kind of try to break this up in regards to kind of time periods as best i can so sure. basically from when i was like in pre, you know real young and in preschool and in new mexico colorado we went to a nazarene church all right uh we've been basically some kind of more conservative protestant my whole life uh, Nazarene, Methodist, Bap- uh, Southern Baptist, and with that, um, that's de- and like, there's a lot of other interesting kind of history. Uh, since I knew about this, uh, that I was going to be a guest on this podcast ahead of time, uh, the one person who I really got to talk to and ask a lot of questions was my mom, and she gave me she was a wealth of knowledge in regards to kind of the history and where our family came from in regards to you know pat you know where are you know kind of my genealogy and in ancestry came from okay cool so um so the early yeah basically we were nazarene in new mexico colorado we came to texas and in the early 80s basically we kind of went around early some different churches uh baptist nazarene Methodist never really found something interesting actually i'll give you one unique thing i very much remember so when we moved to Carrollton, we lived on Peter's Colony. Right. We lived 400 yards from St. Catharines of Asena. I, you know, literally that was where, you know, I, you know, kind of when I was little, that's kind of as far as I could ride my bike, right? You, I could only ride to about the church. Okay. So I remember being about seven years old and asking my mom, hey, there's a church there. Uh, what, we could go to that church. And my mom saying, well, that's Catholic church. And being a young seven-year-old, okay, we can't go to the Catholic Church. Like, no, we're we're not Catholic. And uh, not, nothing, nothing positive, nothing negative. Just, just you know, just simple fact. We we weren't Catholic. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> eighty, and then in 1985, we moved to a different area of Carrollton, and we uh, joined a local church there. Um, and that summer, I went to Vacation Bible School. Um, and that's where I really we started really getting into this church over in Carrollton. It was a little bit smaller uh, Southern Baptist church. Uh, did vacation Bible school. Uh, did the profession of Christ in that in July of 1985. Um, officially baptized into the Baptist Church, August 4th, 1985. Yeah. So nine years old is when I really kind of you know the idea within the Southern Baptist is that you have a profession you know, you profess your faith yeah. you know i believe you know i believe that jesus died on the cross for me mm-hmm. and so 
you know, you're, you're kind of pushed, you know, pushed out of that notion and pushed to that idea that, you know, you have that profession of faith and move forward in within baptism right. after that. So um, we did that for a while. Uh, then in 1989, uh, we had to move to, we moved to Houston for a little while, just south of Houston for a few months. And we moved back to Carrollton in, in late 1989, 1990, and then uh, started, you know, going to, de- you know, going to the long middle school and then Newman Smith. And then we got involved with this other church that was uh, started by one of my parents' neighbors. Uh, there's actually, uh, it actually met in a car dealership for a long time. And that, I was like the oh, first yeah. youth member of that church. Yeah. And I just, you know, that's where I really got involved that's where i really started gaining okay this is where my faith is this is who i am yeah you know as a as someone who professes a, a southern baptist fa- you know more of a southern baptist faith and so as i grew and um one of the things that we did there was a event i want to say it was like between seventh and eighth and eighth and ninth i went to the this event called super summer that was held at baylor university okay and so uh it was just such a neat opportunity to just go there and you're you know really in the midst of other uh, like-minded you know students of that age and just really learning so much about you know sessions about where god is where is god taking you what is your witness what is your witness to others okay and so uh, you know and that's where i kind of grew in my faith and then high school uh started in you know in high school and then you and i met you know you and i met i think you came in my junior year and then you know i was just really starting you know kind of doing you know working more within the church and then i graduated high school in the mid 1990s and kind of went from there um and after that i went to college i went to baylor university and uh, got involved in a Baptist church there that was really the pastor there was phenomenal the so, you know some of the college leadership and people I went there to was wonderful uh, one of the more unique opportunities I had during my junior year I dated a girl who was she had grown up Baptist but she decided that she wanted to go to the Episcopal Church so I for probably about a year I went to the Episcopal Church I enjoyed it I thought it was really you know the pastor was really neat i thought it was very neat to go somewhere where there was a liturgical service and where you you know the you know they're really focused on more that liturgical calendar of where things revolve around easter and how many weeks after pentecost and how many and just all these different you know liturgical methods and you know what you're going to preach on in this time and then taking communion every week it's just that was you know we take uh what we call it the, you know the baptist it's called the lord's supper um, but you know that you know we do that probably once a quarter or maybe once you know once in a while and so but it was just unique to take communion every every Sunday and actually have wine instead of grape juice <laughs> little little things yeah um, and then uh, after that uh, graduated college and then on from there I guess uh, that kind of sums up the my upbringing I guess uh, any any questions you have offhand. Uh, no, uh, so, um, well, yes, I do. So, the church that you went to, my AC just kicked on. I gotta get it cut off because you can hear it, you can hear it loud. It's okay. Uh, um, 
Okay, I'll keep talking while you're working through well, that. Well, no, it's but, fine. But so uh, the question I have for you on this one is uh, the church you went to in Carrollton when you uh, became s- saved. Yep. Saved. Yep. Uh, what, what was it? It was a Southern Baptist church. Do you, is it still there? The church, the physical building is still there. Yeah. Um, it is no longer a Baptist church. I'm not sure what the denomination is at this time. What was it then? Do you know, can you say the name of the church? It was, uh, it was called uh, Trinity Heights Baptist Church. Trinity I think Heights. it's called St. Ignatius now. Um, so it's... Where was it at? Do- Dove Creek and um, Willowgate. Basically... Um, Back in the day, it was uh, Trinity Mills and Marsh, and oh. now it's Bush and Mar- uh, Bush and Marsh. Okay, I know you're now. Yeah, yeah, kind of that vicinity. It's not the bigger one, but it's kind of a smaller church. Okay, yeah. What are you talking about now? Wow. So you went through it. So at at an early age, you knew you seven when this happened. I was uh, nine. I was nine. nine. But you think about it. It's like my paradigm and where I grew up. I mean, just like a cradle Catholic. Only you know understands what they understand because that's where their mindset is because that's where they start. It's kind of the same deal with me. That's you know that's where I start. That's what I understood. That's where I came from. Oh wow. Okay. Right on. Yes. Okay. So uh, so you got to uh, so we'll fast forward. You graduated college at Baylor. Yes. And uh, what you what what you what's your degree? My degree is in telecommunications broadcasting. Right on. Yes. Uh, so what is that? What do you uh, basically, I worked at the radio station, KWBU, Radio Free Waco. Uh, worked at uh, KCTF, Channel 34, PBS station. Uh, and also worked in kind of small film projects. Mostly, I never really... I found this degree because it was fairly straightforward. It was, e- it was, it was a fun degree. It was kind of easy for me to work with. And... Yeah. You know, my dad always had concerns like, well, I'm not sure how well you're going to do with a broadcasting degree once you get out of college. Yeah. Well, the humor that happened is that while I was in college, I worked at the computer lab <laughs> for for three years. And when I worked out and when I graduated in 1999, the Y2K thing was about to, you know, it was really yeah. kind of a big, big deal. So there was a lot of companies that were trying to hire for various help desk and desktop support. Well, I sent out two versions of my resumes. One resume focusing on the broadcasting uh, things I had done and one focusing on some of the IT things I had done. And so what happens, I get zero calls in regards to my broadcasting. I get a couple of calls, you know, quite a few calls in regards to my IT resume. And so... um, so you, you you could have gone into a TV basically with this degree. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I've talked with a lot of people at uh, WFAA and oh, yeah. um, some of the local TV stations, and uh, you know I thought thought about it, but you know when the time came, come to find out, IT support was in much greater demand and much yeah. greater need at that time, and you know when I. When you're graduated from college and it's like, well, let's see, do I wait out this job and stay in my parents' spare bedroom or do I take this job and move into my own apartment? Yeah. And so my decision was to, you know, it, it, it just became obvious that, you know, it was best to just go into the IT field. And mm-hmm. ever since, you know, ever since then, I've just kind of stuck with the IT field and just, you know, kind of made a career out of it. In fact, um, on May 20th of this month, I'll have been out of college for 20 years. Wow, man. Going back to your... Are you going to your reuni- reunion? Probably not. I 
I was much more close. I was closer to a lot of my friends in high school, college. I mean, I have some good friends yeah. and, and such, but we all graduated different years, and a yeah. lot of them have moved to, to different locations in the country. Yeah. And while Baylor is, it's it's an awesome school and such. It just there's, you know, I I just don't feel the connection like I did twenty years ago. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you're not friends with them on Facebook, then you're not friends with them, I guess. But then again, also if I haven't if uh, if, if if I haven't reached out to you on Facebook, <laughs> we're not friends. <laughs> so, you never I'm, know, but it's yeah. it's always it's always interesting to see how things roll in oh, regards yeah. to you know high school. I, I actually because I think high school we have a lot more people here in the local area. Yeah. I've just uh, been able to kind of reconnect and stay friends with various high school friends. Yeah, there's a lot of them that are still here, and a lot of them are a lot of our band nerd friends are still <laughs> around the area, yes. and uh, I've hung out with them quite a few times over the years, oh, yeah. and and uh, they're they're good people. They're still hanging in. They're still there, and and a lot of them have left and they come back. Right, and, and that's like me. I've always yeah. left. I left so many times. I left to go across country, and always ended up right back here in Carrollton. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, well, then this is where I'm supposed to be then, because I keep right. coming home. Yep. So there we are. Um, so you met this girl in college. Is this the one? No. Oh, okay. No, no, man. I, no, what a, dang, dang. No, no, don't worry. But it's not a, no biggie deal. Yeah, you know college girlfriend and yeah you know it was a it was good but you know call you know it's college sometimes you know sometimes relationships don't work out and that's okay that's fine i've had law did not work out and i'm thankful because i get to marry my wife they're <laughs> so, totally there with you yeah so um so once you um when you're in college you went to a, you went to a pentecost church uh it's not pentecost episcopal episcopal i'm sorry oh Yes, Episcopal. Okay, yeah, they're very much related. They're very much the same as the Catholic churches. There's some differences in there, such as like the priests are can be women and they can be married. Yes, which the- ours cannot in the Catholic Church. Um, and there's a few other things in there that I don't really know about, but it's whatever. Yeah. Right and yeah, I think more than anything else, I, I ended up in the you know they needed some men in the choir, so I ended up <laughs> in the choir of all things. But I think the priest was originally, he went to seminary at a Christian mm-hmm. a seminary. And so he, you know, he had just a little different way of looking at things, but he was still, you know, the messages yeah. were always very solid and, uh, yeah. And he was, a, he was a married priest and, it, you know, it was just, it was a really, just a very nice church and just the people there were just phenomenal. Looking back on it now, were you able to relate more with a married priest than you were Say a non-married priest. Don't hard to say because I've never attended a church that did not have a non-married priest. Okay. Every single church. Well, it'd be you know. I was only at the Episcopal Church maybe for about a year. The okay. rest of the time, I've been a Baptist or some other kind of uh, Nazarene or mm. or a Bible church that's you know that has you know mar- you know a married mm-hmm. man or lady as you know one of the leaders. There's a lot of talk right now in the Catholic Church, and there's uh, one of those conversations is why can't priests be married? And in fact, um, one of the things that the church is doing is allowing um, priests to come over because the Catholic Church is in such need of priests that the priests that are coming over from the Episcopal side are married priests. And it's creating a big conversation of why can't they all be married? And the, the issue is, hang on, I'm going to a drink. Go ahead. Yeah. The issue is, is that you have to be prepared to your husband or even your wife 
to leave at three in the morning to go take care of a grieving woman. Are you okay with that? And with the Catholic priests, um, they're, they're married to the church. So the answer right. is yes. Um, so the other denominations is your wife could be okay with you leaving at three in the morning to go take care of a grieving woman when the human nature says no you can't leave you go talk to another woman or you know there's there's a conflict of interest there's an understanding there but there's also a part that says man um yeah no that's not a good idea because as always history is that one thing always leads to another woman's crying la 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 and the man but the woman has to be okay with that as such the in the deacon in the diaconate in the catholic church right when a man becomes when a man goes into deacon formation the wife goes with him and does the entire does the entire formation with him so that way she knows exactly what is going on right your get your guest last week michael mike hoffman yeah, yeah he, he mentioned i remember listening to that and him mentioning that yeah and um and so when there's a thing to there as well as when if a man is married and he goes into deacon formation, if the wife dies while he's a deacon, he cannot become married. He cannot remarry. Interesting. Wow. And if a man is single, when he goes into diaconate, he cannot marry inside as a deacon because he's marrying the church. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a really big thing because when the pastor or the priest is not available, deacon gets called. Okay, interesting. So okay. Deacon goes and does his thing right. and um, helps out and does what he needs to do. Like uh, when I was in the hospital, the Deacon came to saw him, saw me in the hospital several times along with the along with the father. I was in the hospital with with pneumonia. I, I visited you. Yes, you did. I did. I do I, not remember. I visited you when you had pneumonia. I remember that. Hmm. You're in rough shape. Yeah, it's bad, dude. Um, the my priest came in and gave me my last rites. That's how bad it I was. You remember all this? I do not remember you coming I have in a, there. I have a funny. I remember remember events very well, and yeah. just you know, just kind of events of life and, and interactions with people, and so I'll, I'll remember dates, and it's just kind of a unique quirk of mine. I was ready to go, man. I was like, okay, give me last rites. Let's take off, man. I'm out of here. Yeah. And then I had a conversation with God one night, and He said, "Dan, you ready to go? If you you're, you're welcome to come with me. If you want to come with me, it's up to you. Uh, but if you're going to stay, you're going to fight, and it's going to be painful." And man, it was painful. I remember that because I wouldn't wish shit on anybody for pneumonia. And thank God we're thirty years into, into the future because thirty years ago I never would have survived that. Right? Yeah. You know, in high school in the nineties I never would have survived that. Rough, yeah. And I remember uh, the nurse is coming over to me saying, "You're fifty fifty right now. We don't know what's going to happen. Right? And if you survive, it's purely because it's not your time. That's it. Because all, all the signs are saying you should die." Wow. And so if when I checked myself into the hospital that day, you're like that the first time I went into the hospital, the ER room, they said, had you waited in there two hours, you would have died. That's how serious it was. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm sorry to totally get off on No, me. it's okay. Hey, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're building back kind of our history together. Yeah. So it was uh, interesting, but to the thing, so the Episcopal church is, has allowed this to happen. And, or the Catholic Church is allowed us to happen um, because we're just in need of priests. And right. so whenever I go hear a priest who's talking either on the 
uh, either up either up on the altar or anywhere else, and I felt like he was married. I'm totally into it because this guy is talking from experience, yes. not from what the church tells him. And that's a, that's two big things for me. Like I'd rather go hear the Baptist pastor talk about marriage and this what's going on, blah blah, blah bills and everything else, and some guy being taken care of by the church. It's a big thing for me. Like it, it's a level a level of trust that I have. Right, and one person I forgot to mention who was instrumental, especially in college and also my early, uh, in kind of my, in, in becoming, a, you know, going to church once I became uh, single and kind of leading into a little further of my faith. Yeah. Uh, a gentleman by the name of David Paul. He was my roommate uh, my sophomore year and my junior year in college. And just okay. phenomenal guy. I, I mean, I, I still, I'm in touch with him. He was, you know, really just solid friend of mine. Um, he is now the uh, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Espanola, New Mexico, which is north of Santa Fe. So beautiful area. Oh, it's it's awesome. I've, I've well, been there several times, it's gorgeous. And it's funny because he, you know, he's, you know, there's just little ways he's always been an kind of an influence with me in regards to different things. So you know, now he's a pastor, but okay. I remember distinctly he, you know, when we were roommates my junior year. Occasionally, we were in an apartment. We have Jehovah's Witnesses come around. He'd invite them. I would love to have one on my show. He would. He would invite <laughs> them. He would get his Bible out, and he would. He would work. He'd really try to work in. How do I, you know, preach to these people? He's a preacher now, and so I, you know, back then I'm like, what is he doing? But I now, you know, now 20 years in the future, I understand he was really working for his career. He's been a missionary. Uh-huh. Uh, in Russia and Latvia and wow. Macedonia, uh, I mean, and he, he his wife, he's married to a lady named Shara, who's a really just really f- phenomenal person as well, brilliant individual. Yeah. And um, so I say that, you know, because he had a pretty good, you know, he, he and I were really strong friends in college. When I got out of college, I was training, you know, going to one church, and I just didn't quite fit in. And then he told me. You know, why don't you come to Pre- you know, why don't you come to Prestonwood? I attend Prestonwood. Why don't you come with me? Are you the one here? Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. So, and so I attended. You know, and then I, you know, followed him. I'm like, oh, it's attendant, and then and I joined. You know, I eventually joined it and stay and stayed there for uh, 18 years. You're still there? No. Okay. Right on. A little further more, little, little further into the story, okay. but Sorry. Uh, but I will Sorry, say, I um, and let's put it this way: is okay. that you know, uh, that was 2001. Okay. 2002 I meet a girl named a girl named Paige Lutzinger who I end up dating who I end up getting engaged to who I end up getting married to and who I remain married to 15 years almost 16 years later this one okay yeah this one okay <laughs> okay she's cool I love her yeah well so man <laughs> <laughs> it's good when you love your wife and I'll say that yeah, e- yeah. every day all the time I, I enjoy being married myself, man. It's one of the best one of the best things in my life is being married. And I never thought I'd ever get married. When I did, I was like, oh my god, thank God I'm married. Finally got married. And every day I wake up, I'm so glad I'm married. It's it it's it's life change. It's it's the best thing in the world. It's hard. Some days oh, it dude. is so hard. You know, sometimes I'm like, wow. Well, <laughs> what's going on here? There's a tr- there's one truth is that marriage is not fifty fifty. Oh no! It's a hundred hundred, and there sometimes it's two hundred zero, and sometimes it's zero two hundred, and you have to be accepting of, I'm willing to get you know, I'm willing to give you know, give away my set you know, mm-hmm. some of my desires and needs for the for that other person, and that yeah. 
and, and the other person has to do it. It takes two to really make that marriage work. Yeah, the Catholic Church, when we do marriage counseling, we always we always say it's it's 100-100. There's no 50-50 mm-hmm. in the same because 50-50 sure. means you're only doing half-ass. Yeah. So 100-100, you're both, putting it, you're both putting it all in there. And to say that my closet space is like three feet to hers mm-hmm. is like 10 feet, <laughs> and my side of bed is like 10 feet <laughs> to like, her rest of the, you know, but no, sorry, yeah. my two feet, like... You know, like, it's like that mattress, yeah, the yeah, yeah. bedspread that has his and hers, and hers is like the whole, like three quarters of the bed. Yeah, yep, yeah. I know that one. Yeah, there you go. So hundred, hundred to an extent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I think where I'd like to focus uh, okay. next, two thousand. So I got married in two thousand three. Yeah. So one of my wife's goals, my wife and I's goals before we had kids, uh-huh. was to go on a mission trip. Oh man. So in two thousand five. We were able to work up uh, some information and really get the time off and make efforts to go with E3 Ministry to Galatz, Romania. I've heard of this ministry. Yes. D- Dave's involved in this ministry. I think so. I, mean, I don't know offhand, but yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was ca- called like Global Missions or something back in 2005. Yeah. But um, I think it's e- it turned into E3. But with E3, um, we were able to get into a mission trip in mid-July to... Galatz, Romania. So Galatz, Romania is about a three-hour drive north of the capital of Bucharest. And Romania itself is in southeastern Europe. And um, it's basically one of the old communist bloc countries. So it's, you know, it's not like Germany or France or, uh, or England where it's a little bit more modern. This is, you know, what, 13 years ago. So you know, technology wasn't, you know, wasn't there yeah. quite what it is now, but, uh, it was just, it, it was definitely eye opening Cause you're, you know, basically as it used to be, you know, the first world was like the Western world and the second world was like the communist block and the third world is like the underdeveloped countries. All right. And so this was kind of an old second world country where it was communist block and, you know, kind of that, ru- you know, rough Russian influence architecture of everything's these concrete buildings and, you know, very drab and everything else. And the religion there is uh, basically an Orthodox. And so, and also the religion there is Romanian, which is kind of the very close to Latin. Mm -hmm. So what our goal was basically street evangelism. Mm -hmm. And so we would get up and go from the town of Galatz, which is probably about a town of maybe 300,000. So it's a decent sized city. And we go to the town of Kudalb, which is probably about a city of about 10,000. And basically, we go out on the street and start talking to people. We had translators with us, thank yeah. goodness. I do not speak a, I do not speak Romanian. And then even when I went there, I was very limited in my Romanian. But it was just unique because they would try to introduce, introduce us, hey, these are Americans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have something important to tell you. And we try to do, you know, share the gospel, share the mission. And so I will go ahead and hand you this. I'll go ahead and go through the through this what i've brought is an evangicube with me and you can go to the like evangicube you know i think uh, if you go to evangicube.com or you can google what it says for evangicube but i'll at least have you hold that and then i'll walk so you mike through. brought mike well, edwards brought props basically it, but i've seen this before where it's a cube that actually tells a story right that is correct it's kind of cool I've yeah go ahead yeah take a picture have at it yeah. All right. So I'll I'll walk you through how this works and okay. show you what how it works. And um, I've got the scripture 
if I can get that opened up. But the scripture itself pretty much takes the individual down the Romans road of like going like through uh, Romans 3.23, uh, Romans 5.8, and uh, and just speaking in regards to we've all fallen short of the glory, you know, of, glory of God and you know, Jesus died for our sins. So I'll, I'll show you what it is. is the start is, is it shows you've got man and God in the separation and man is separated from God okay. from the beginning and then ex explaining that and then you open it up and show the, oh. the crucifixion yeah. and explaining that Jesus died for our sins you know and here you know and it explains oh that you know shows Jesus on the cross and most you know most people understand what the cross represents and then you know Jesus was put into the grave and sealed with the tomb and you'll see where it has the tomb and the two guards and the Part I like is how you open it up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. And then it shows Jesus, you know, from Easter, basically emerging from the grave, and you know, after the three days, and you basically go through the bit, you know, the biblical oh. resurrection resurrection story. Let's get that. All right. Then what? And then, yep. I'll let you, yeah, I get that. Get that picture. Then. And then, yep. And then you open that up, and then you have this basically a man on the man going toward the cross and explaining that you know Jesus is what bridges our gap. Yeah. Jesus, you know, Jesus died for our sins, and Jesus, you know, you know, you are the man who you know. Do you accept that Jesus died for your sins and that you will you know accept Christ as you know as your Savior? Yeah. And then you flip it like this, and then show basically the fires of hell. Your hand, and then Jesus's hand pulling, pulling you up toward heaven, and explaining that this, you know, this, you know, this is kind of the salvation story, of how do you, you know, how you work it out to say, you know, do you accept Jesus as your savior, and try to say, you know, does, you know, do you believe that Jesus is, you know, accept Jesus into your heart, for, you know, to acceptance for heaven. Yeah. And so then you flip it over here, and. Let me get my point of reference here. It's back here, and and basically uh, the and I can put since this is a PDF, and you know, love God and all his pe in all people is what the heart represents. Pray to God consistently. Uh, study your Bible, God's word daily. Meet regularly with other Christians and tell others the good news about Jesus. Very it's, cool. Yeah. So I mean, it's it really it was it's really good and. Um, it, you know, it just kind of gives you it gives you a person a physical sense of like this is you know and I mean just as you're kind of holding it and working in it with your hands it gives you know because religion and faith is very non-tangible I mean and it's also a very personable way of talking to people it you know you get set in your paradigm of you know this is where I'm at and you're really in if that per, if the person you're talking to has a different way this is kind of this really kind of neat little okay here's what i believe this is what i'm trying to get you to believe and kind of gives you a ability to really explain that um you know and like i said i, I was much better about this in 2005 of knowing the verses off the top of my head really fast yeah but uh, i mean there's you know pretty solid you know good instructions in regards to where we go see that piece of paper there yeah here you go there's uh, here's the kind of the bigger one, and then here's the actual instructions that came with the Evangel Cube. So it's one thing about the Baptists is that they really focus on Scripture, as the uh, Catholics not so much. Um, so you 
like I remember in church with Dave, uh, we really learned scripture. We memorized scripture. My, right. my my original Bible from him is right here. Oh wow! And it's all these. Uh, I have all these little notes. Right. Oh yeah. Tickets still in here that I that like my favorite scriptures and and what it meant to me at the time and and uh, and one of the. Uh, I just opened this up right here, the yeah. Old Testament Deuteronomy 20, because I was joining the military, and my biggest thing was, um, what does it say about going to war? Because I was going to go into the right. military, and I was going to be trained to kill, right? to serve my country and to kill if I needed to, right? And so the pastor at that time in my at that church says, uh, if you're governed to do so, you, you're okay. But don't just do it, you know. Right. Um, so that was one of his things. So, I, anyways, I just was thought that, but that was pretty cool. But, anyways, these scriptures, uh, yeah, man, this is pretty cool stuff. Well, and we were talking about, you know, you know, you're, I remember a couple of weeks ago talking about using the Bible. The thing is, the one thing I learned when I was at the Episcopal Church is that there's that common book of prayer, and there's a lot of points of reference that I think more the Catholic and you know more the liturgical churches go to whereas in the Baptist and more of the uh, churches I've kind of grown up in the only you know the Bible is our only point of reference yeah and so when the you know you're pretty much said this is your reference this is the reference you need to know this is where you go you that's where you know that's like and the thing is is that everyone's kind of in a different place of their understanding of the bible i've met people who you know just you know really take it literally interpret it literally i've met people who consider it a work of fiction Um, and so it becomes difficult if i'm trying to if a person thinks the bible is a work of fiction having me trying to convince them and shift their paradigm that the bible is the truth becomes almost a non-starter because i'm trying to shift their parent you know their paradigm and their way of thinking to such a different way of thinking it you know that just becomes a real a real effort and so i was i say that also because um i remember going to romania and just you know you know thinking okay i'm gonna get out there and then i get on the streets i'm like my head just like okay what have i done what have I done? I'm in I'm in a different country. I don't know the language. I am lost. Uh-huh. It, it, but I think, especially when you're in the mission field and you're in a country where you don't speak the language, it really forces you out of your comfort zone, and you're really forced to say, "God, I am he-, you know I'm here for a reason, and you know I need to rely on you. What you know? Where can I go to rely deeply? You know more deeply on you." And I remember. You know, waking up early and you know really getting into the Bible because I was so. You know, I won't use the word distraught, but I was just you know it was, it was there was such a feeling of uncertainty because, you know, what was I doing here? And I think out of all of that, I mean, eventually I got the gospel to one individual named Marius, and I walked him through it through the translator, and I mean you know, he accepted, and that was I mean it was such a, a great experience. Yeah. And, you know, you hear people of, like, you know, winning souls and winning people and such. Mm-hmm. And so, it's and that's the thing is being a witness and being, you know, what is your testimony? What's your personal faith? I mean, that becomes a very big thing. And mm-hmm. so, I will say, um, one thing I remember talking, you know, a, a joke that you made a, a few weeks ago and talking about, 
um, what's the difference between a Baptist and <laughs> a, 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 pre- and a Presbyterian, Presbyterian at a liquor store? Yeah. Uh, Presbyterian to talk to you. Yeah. Okay, I can answer, and if you're interested, I can answer why that Baptist would struggle with that. Why, why would they, they would struggle? Uh, yeah, you mean go to the next segment, though, yeah. yeah okay, sure, if we may go to the next segment. Well, it basically comes down to kind of witness, is that when you're in the world of, at least for me, it's like you're always kind of said, okay, what's your witness? What is your, you know, try to hold yourself to a higher standard. And the Bible doesn't really speak toward negativity, toward alcohol in per se, but it does speak negatively toward drunkenness. And so the idea is that not so much, the idea is not to abstain from alcohol because of issues. The idea is that, you know, alcohol could lead to drunkenness. So how do you prevent the drunkenness? You stop, you you stop it before it even starts. Okay, and so that's where you know that's kind of the way it, way it goes is that you know you stop you know you stop before it even becomes an issue. And the same thing kind of goes for a lot of things, you know, like gambling or anything that could lead to a person to stu- you know a, a sin that could lead to a stronghold that could lead a person to stumble. Mm-hmm. So that's where you know that's kind of, that's where I started. That's where I you know that's that's my paradigm of where I understand things. So you're talking about your um, so that's that's your answer to the joke that you that's yeah. your answer. Okay. Well, it, you know, and it's just it, it's funny. I did get a chance to talk to my mom about okay, what's our history of uh, you know in the genealogy of where our family came from? You know, why are we yeah. this kind of you know where we came from? So my mom grew up uh, Assembly of God, mm-hmm. which is you know once again kind of a more conser- you know kind of a conservative uh, Protestant religion. They do believe a little bit more in speaking in tongue yeah. and things of that nature. That's pretty scary stuff. You don't know what you're getting into. Well, you know, like, like if a person walked in, like I went through this process, or mm-hmm. I went through it once, and I'm just kind of sat there. And next thing I know, people are speaking in tongues around me. And I have no idea what's going on. Right. Nobody pre warned me like this could happen. And so I freaked out. I was like, "What are y'all doing, man?" Right. And y'all get y'all get possessed, like, yeah, by God. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." So what's that dude saying? Oh, he's a translator. I said, "How yeah. do you know?" And he goes, "It's because you're been beamed by God." Yeah, got so. me. But that that's you know that was my mom's upbringing and you know where where she was at. And then my dad was Methodist. I also had a chance. I talked to her about you know kind of even more past. Like I know, uh, like one of my great grandmothers was a Pentecostal. Wow, and you know, and that's the thing we grew. You know, the roots of where I come from is much more of that kind. You know, very conservative yeah. religions that you know have a you know kind of a little bit more stricter standards. Um, also, I, you know, I talked to her. You know, talked about okay, alcohol. You know, where do we stand? You know, what's what is that? And I'm trying to remember my own upbringing. Uh, alcohol was limited in my home. It you know upbringing, and I mean, I saw my my dad drink once in a while. Yeah. Uh, never saw my grandfather. You know, any of my grandfathers really ever drink alcohol, and it just it never really solidified. And so, so y'all come from the uh, the old church. So uh, did the women wear the skirts? And not you know, well maybe in some of my in the previous generations, yeah. yes, but not where I was at. Okay, but um, just a little bit more of the you know kind of a little bit more conservative way of doing things, yeah. and then. Um, and even in Prestonwood, two thousand and adding more to the story, in two thousand nine, I was elected a deacon of Prestonwood too. 
the well grows deeper. <laughs> so were you trained? Uh, I was trained. Well, first, the deacon selection, you know, basically my name was put in by one of the other deacon individuals who I don't know who di who did that. And yeah. then I was selected. Then I went through an interview process yeah. and went through the deacon nomination and, you know, became a deacon of the church. And I mean, this is, you know, Preston Woods. So you yeah. know, I'm one of about 300. Yeah. But I found it really interesting in that, you know, there's a lot of things, you, you know, really, and then that's, you know, when you become a deacon, it's, you know, you really say, okay, I'm really trying to dedicate my efforts to teach, to, you know, you know, do as the church requests and, you know, really uphold the standards yeah. of the church. And one of the standards of, especially the Southern Baptist Church is no alcohol. Okay. And so, but I was okay with that. I just... Yeah. It just never, it's never been a real thing for me. It's, I didn't grow up with it. Oh, that's and good. Then it's, it's just never been a big deal at all. Yeah, Calvary Square, we drink a lot in the church. It's but. funny. I've been to a few events where I remember yeah. going to an event in 2000, a wedding at Catherine of Vicenna, and seeing the, pre and after the event was over, seeing the priest was drinking a beer. And to me, <laughs> that just. It, kind of floored you, huh? Well, I mean, it just, I didn't say anything. I, I, I observed it. I accept. I accepted it. Yeah. You know, it's it's what it, it's it's the cult. You know, that's it's accepted, and that's that's fine. Well, it's a good thing you did that way, man. <laughs> well, it's not my it. it yeah, that's your area. It's not my. It's not yeah. my place to say. It really. It would know. have been kind of weird for you, like, dude, what are you doing? And be like, it's, well, I'm drinking a beer. What's wrong with you? Well, yeah. Why it, aren't you? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Yeah. You got. You kind of yeah. have to know what you know what you're setting and where mm -hmm. you're at. You know, you, you can't. You know, you got to know. Yeah. What, who you know? Who are you talking to? And the thing is, is that especially if I try to witness or try to do something, you know, I'm not talking to a group. I'm talking to a person. I'm talking to an individual person who I'm trying to get to know. Yeah. Where does that per? Where is what's in that person's mind? How you know? Where is that person's you know thought process? Where is he or she grown up to where? You know, it's it's not it's not a in mass thing. It's just kind of mm -hmm. you know. I try to be. A more, you know, I'm a more introverted person of just trying to let's see you know talk to a person one on one, and go from there. And you know one of the things that was always stated about you know the gospel ministry is it sometimes takes you know the gospel being explained to a person seven or eight times before they really mm -hmm. grasp it or accept it. And sometimes they don't, and you just have to accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took me a long time to. Um, it took it took me a few times to read through the gospels to really get it and to understand it and um the one book i'm reading now in the bible is acts oh, and i've read acts hundreds of times hundreds and hundreds of times and and uh just recently i started reading it, i was like oh my god holy cow look at this mm -hmm. now it started sinking in and it's all about the timing, I guess, when right. God is ready for you to finally get it. You like, and so when I'm reading the Acts, I'm like, "Holy cow! Okay, I I I need to reread this." Right, and yeah. I keep going back over and over and over again before I finally get it sinking and start asking questions, start texting my spiritual advisor, "Dude, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean?" They and that and that's good to have a spiritual advisor, someone who yeah. you know you can go back and forth. Usually with, with us, it's you know an accountability. You know who's your accountability partner? Who do you who are you accountable to? And I think you know I remember going to an event at uh, Stephen F. Austin. I think it was like in '99 or 2000. It was the Awakenings Conference, which was held by the Catholic. Uh, student union and actually you know kind of going to that that event it was it was cool I really enjoyed it 
and uh, you know learning about confession and mm-hmm. and such. And I remember being requested by the person who I was with. And, you know, she said, you know, you know, I know you're Protestant. I would advise you know don't you know you can cross yourself, but it, you know since you're not Catholic, it'd probably be advisable to not take communion. Which you know. You know, I accept. I am. I was not a Catholic, so I just crossed myself. The priest gave me, you know, a quick blessing and moved on. Yeah. And I'm okay. You know, I'm okay with that. I understand. Well, there's it. a way. There, there's a thing about that. That's a true thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's the thing. Well, you know, me as an individual, I, you know, some people are out there to really like, you know, let's go change the world and be this. And the way who I am. Is just an individual. So I'll back up just a tinge. Have you ever heard of the Myers Briggs personality test? No. <laughs> okay, so there's a website out there called 16personalities.com. Yeah. Uh, there's a test. It's been around, you know, this specific test has been around for a long time. I think I took it my senior year for the first time. Okay. And it basically breaks an individual temperament into like four different into like four different types of categories: extrovert, introvert, sensing, intuition. Oh, thinking, you, feeling. Your 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 charismas. Yeah, kind of the charismas and judging, perceiving. Okay. So, where I fall on that spectrum is INFP, intuition, you know, introvert, intuition, feeling, perceiving, and so kind of my temperament is not one to really get out there and you know just you know try to get in front you know get in front of people. Yeah. You know you know you know you know put the sign you know put the breadboard in front of me of you know you know you know the end of the world is nigh and such that's just not it's just not who i am that's good (laughs) well the thing is is that you just you know i am a person i want i'm not a big you know change you know go out and change the world i try you know i understand i need to have a witness and i need to you know share the gospel and i think one of the things about baptists is you know what is your mission field? What is, you know, is your, your work is your mission field. Your neighbors are your mission field. Your, you know, your friends are your mission field. Go, you know, go out, you know, you know, you know, you are all, you know, out to, you know, um, go through the great commission. You know, we're all, you know, we're all evangelists and we're all here to try to go out. And that's the thing that's, you know, that's what we're being, you know, taught, you know, that's what we're being told week after week, you know, to, this you know to you know find your mission field, find your spiritual gift, yeah. find where where you can plug in, yeah. And so I mean that's the case for a lot of churches, but that's where I, in the Baptist church, that's where I found, was kind of where I was you know that's what seemed to be the overarching match the overarching message. Yeah. Okay. When a Catholic church would always say go forth and at the end of the mass, they would say go forth and. And proclaim the pro- proclaim the Lord or word or whatever or preach it or right right. So there's always like a commission thing or whatever. Right. You know. I think it's uh, Matthew. It's in Matthew 28, if I remember correctly, yeah. um, about you know go and make the you know go and make the you know Jesus says to go and make disciples uh, after you know after his crucifixion. Are you looking up right now? Trying to, but uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, so um, that's when um, when I look up other churches and their denominations to try to figure out. That's the telltale sign for me of where do they believe and kind of where they come from. Because a Catholic church, you're going to know it's a Catholic church just by looking at the outside of the building. 
But when you go to these bigger churches uh, that's not a Baptist church, like like my wife calls it a dot com church or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or not a denominational church, I look into their history. They're about us to find out what they believe. And when they say the Great Commission, yep. that's a, that's a sign of that they're um, they spawned from they spawned from Baptists and or Assembly of God or yep. Church of Christ. Yep. And they're, um, they go into the direction of we're just going to preach the word and that's it. We're going to evangelize. We're going to get out there. We're going to beat the street and save as many people as we can because they're going on the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20 is, what I f- is uh, where it was at. I, f- I located it. All right. Go ahead. Read it, man. Oh, absolutely. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's, you know, when a person is baptized in the Baptist church, they are always... You know, the individual gets dunked, and, and, and you know, it's a, you know, that's what they say is that we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, yep, that's and that's it yeah, comes, you know, a bit from the Great Commission, you know, from the Great Commission. I'm glad you read the entire thing because there's, I know there's some churches out there they only read, um, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's where they stop. But it goes on in teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it's always important when you're preaching to somebody, you're evangelizing somebody, that you read the entirety of the passage mm-hmm. and not just little pieces of it because there's nothing wrong with the scripture. Right. That's the thing, is that you have to you have to take the scripture in context. And this you know, you can take, you know, you know, you, and that's what uh, gets thrown out a lot of the times is uh, scripture gets taken out of context and understanding, you know, truly what was going on when, you know, Jesus said this parable or when this specific event was going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the old, it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, everyone has their own kind of spin on the Old Testament, the New Testament. And what I've always been told, you know, the old you, you have you use the Old Testament to understand the history. You, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. You have to know where you came from. Yeah. And um, I think it's. Hang on, just a second. It was the book of Matthew that spoke to the Jew. You know, basically, it's given to speak to the Jews of you know. Okay, here is where, you know, where the the genealogical line comes from to explain where why Christ is you know it, why Jesus Christ is the Son of God All right. so and uh, and then you know you have the New Testament the New Covenant that basically puts forth okay you know before we're saved you know the idea is that you work toward you know salvation now here in the New Testament in the New Covenant we're saved by grace we are you know we are moved to be you know that Jesus died for our sins you know, and it's just like I think about um, the, you know, the woman who was uh, captured in the act of of, uh, of sex, you know, in prostitution, and then you know the Pharisees come out and get ready to stone her. And uh, what's her name? 
well, I don't, I don't remember if it's if it was stated what the name was. I, I'll see if I can look up the scripture here in a minute. But uh, you know, the you know Jesus comes out and just says, you know, he looks at the Pharisees like, wait a minute, who are you amongst sin? Yeah. To you know, and it, you know, and on and she was on the Sabbath too. I remember our, our church church did something on this a few weeks ago. You know, who are you? You know, who are you to condemn this person when you haven't sinned yourselves? And this Pharisees like, well. You know, we're 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 human. Aside from Jesus, we're all sinners. Yeah, that's just you know, we're you know, I'm a sinner. You know, but yeah, but Jesus, but the Pharisees had to go away, and you know, because they were all sinners. And Jesus was like, okay, I've saved you. And what does he say to her? Go forth and sin no more. You know, it's, and it becomes the, you know, I forgive you of your sin. Repent of your sin, and don't you know? Yeah. You know, but naturally we're of you know. While we want to be a part of a, fa- you know, our faith, we still have that flesh nature that's a, that's going to lead us to sin once in a while. So the idea is that you have to repent, renew your mind, and try to continue to, you know, read the Bible. How do you, you know, how do you, you know, move forward in, within your faith? Looking it up here. Oh, okay. There's woman at the well. Woman. Um, woman who. Go ahead, yeah. look it up. So, um, yeah, go ahead and I'll look it up. You can ask a question. Well, so you're clearly very passionate about evangelizing and, and helping people get uh, saving them. Uh, when you when when you do save them, do you say a prayer? Because yes. there's several in the Bible that are there for this. Well, the idea is you you lead them to the you know the the path of, the path of salvation you know the the prayer of salvation yeah you know but in basic you know in in what it comes down to you know Jesus I, I accept you know I accept you died for my sins yeah please you know I repent of my sins I choose to fall you know take up my cross and follow you right and that's what it you know that's kind of the gist of what it comes down to is just saying you know where oh excuse me that uh. You know that you you repent of where you're at, and that you will follow you know follow Jesus Christ in regards to where you move forward. And in looking it up, it's uh, uh, John seven fifty three through eight eleven. Yeah, and it's basically Jesus and the woman taken in adultery is uh, what it's uh, what it's set. So I will pull that up. Here, okay, yeah, woman caught in adultery. What does it say? Okay, I'll say it. Let's see. Let me just verify that real quick. That's the correct one. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is uh, John seven fifty three through eight one. Woman caught in adultery. And each of them went home. When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down and began to teach. And he began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What now do you say? So the, you know, basically the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. Like, uh-huh. wait a minute, okay, okay, we're we're here. Sixty-four thousand dollar question. What do you say, Messiah? <laughs> Yeah. And so they said this to test him, 
so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And once again he bit down and wrote on the ground. When they had heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman, staying before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way from now on and do not sin again. And so right there you see where Jesus said, you know, that where Jesus says, Okay, I forgive you, but don't sin, you know. Yeah. You know. So that there, you know, and there's, you know, point, lots of points of reference in the Bible of where you see that Jesus, you know, is true. You know, he's like, you know, he's the sinless man. He's the one who says, okay, you know, do not, you know, do not sin again. And we're all human, you know, we're all human nature. And I'll shift gears once again and say, I, I remember growing up and being kind of of the mindset and the paradigm that said, you know, you lose your salvation if you sin. And being in that very, you know, I think what's kind of more the Nazarene, full, you know, philosophy and a little bit, you know, kind of the old, older school Baptist way of kind of how I was taught is, and it took me to being an adult to really understand, no, that's not the case. That truly, once you're, you know, once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to be, we're going to sin. We're going to be human beings. We are going to sin. Yeah. But the idea is that you, you're, as mentioned earlier, you're trying to better yourself. You're trying to bring yourself up. How do you make efforts to be a strong, you know, a stronger in your faith in Christ? That's good, man. What what translation is that? This is uh, in our in our SV. I'm not sure. I usually use the uh, English Standard, the ESV English Standard Version, or the NIV New International Version. This is just what came up on my Google, on my Google search, but it's on the Bible Ga- uh, Bible Gateway is the website I'm on. It's the new mm. revised. It's the new revised standard version. Okay. It is. Okay. Which you know the yeah. a, a lot of the times the newer versions it's you know there's a couple words that are a little different than before. It's but it basically puts it to where it's you know no longer part of like the King James to where it's in kind of the old English. But this is, you know, the new revision, the new revised standard version is is solid from what I've read. I was going to mention a King James version. Do you did you ever follow that in your churches? I, not any of the churches I attend. I've had some friends who, uh, yeah, they they were yeah. very focused. I had a Bible teacher for a long time. He Man. always read from the King James. He swore up and down by the King James. Man, that's a dangerous Bible. You, People are going to say, why, why? It's like, okay, well, the King James Version is, you got to know the history about this, this, this stuff. The King James Version is King James's Bible. Yep. That's what he translated. It's what he wanted. Right. The King James of England. Not People are like, they're like, well, King James. No, no. The person himself, King, King James, James. Yep. He's a king of England. It's what he wanted. It's what he said. Right. So if he didn't want to put it in there, it wasn't in there. And so when he wrote the translated the Bible and they did it for him, he approved the entire thing. Okay, that's good. No, take that out. Okay, that's good. No, take that out. That's good. That take part of that out. And so whenever you read to talk to somebody who reads the King James Version, for me personally, I stopped talking. I had to stop talking because I don't know 
what because what they're telling me what they're preaching to me about is not in the entirety of the scripture like i said there's nothing wrong with the scripture the way it is it's fine god wrote that scripture yeah. down it's fine the way it is yep. why are you gonna sit there and say oh i don't need those two words in there leave it alone man you're good to go so if uh you know if if, if god wanted it to shorten it up then he would have shortened it up right and what I've always come down to is I, I remember talking to some friend or theologian and thinking about this is that, you know, what truly does this, you know, you know, you think about all the religions and all the things that, you know, there's all these different issues and one, you know, but the denomination believes this and one denomination believes this and one, you know, and you get all caught up in the minutia. And I remember talking to a friend like, what's, the, what's what we got, what what's the most basic way we can put this into? And he said something very cool. He said, Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the sentence. Done. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, you know, and that's the, tr there's, I mean, that's, it's simple. It's true. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is that, you know, I think a lot of the times there's a lot of, especially this day and age, we get so caught up in being shallow, you know, and very shallow and complicated. And, you know, I remember reading about Fred Rogers, you know, who is a, you know, the, the, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. He was also a um, Presbyterian minister. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Fred Rogers always talked about being deep and simple. Yeah. And that's something I really, I strive for is I try to, you know, I try to be very, you know, just deep in my mind and very simple. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's kind of how I want to see, you know, it's how I like seeing the Bible doctrine is that. You know, what's what's the saying? You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. And simple, deep. And you get other churches, and it's like, well, this and this and this and this. And it's just, you know, you end up just getting caught up in the minutia, and it's like, no. Nah. Yeah, it just, it, gets, it just, you end up convoluting things. Mm -hmm. Think like this way. So when, um, when Jesus started his ministry, and he passed on and resurrected, and so he created a church all right so now all these other branches come in these churches come in and they say hey i like the way this is doing it i want to do my own little thing do you mind if i borrow this or that so imagine a big ship it's a big ship mm -hmm. and then this ship so so like you say the baptists come along which the baptists didn't come along to around the 1600s that's correct yeah. and the baptists say ma'am i like the way you're doing this but i want to do it my way and I want to do it a little bit differently. Is this okay to do it this way? And the church is like, yeah, whatever you want to do, man, that's fine. So the, then the Baptists take away their part of the ship. So now they build their own ship, taking pieces from the original ship. Right. And they say, okay, so now the original ship, the, the one that Jesus started himself, has, is now has a few planks missing. Okay, and then say the Calvinisms come in there, and they do the same thing. The Presbyterians come in, the Pentecost, yep. everybody, and the Church of England did the same thing. Oh, yeah. So everybody now, so now the original ship, as it is, is still there, it's still one big ship, but there's a lot of these little pieces missing from it because everybody wanted to come in there and be like, well, no, I don't like the way you're doing exactly. Right. I want to do it my way, and nobody ever says no. So. Now you have all these people that are doing it just a little bit differently than their way, a little bit different than that way. Is this right or wrong? Um, 
It's both. Hmm. Because Jesus never said, do your own thing. I'm... I see what you... Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. Jesus said... Jesus, Jesus never said, hey, um, do your thing. Do, do your own thing. He never said, do your own thing. He said, do it my way. In fact, I don't think he said, do it my way. Just he, he gave us the Lord's Prayer. He did his ministry. He did his amazing miracles. And then that was it. And then from there, we'll take off from there. What well, did you look up? Well, I was going to say, I'm looking up uh, John 14, 16. Uh-huh. Uh, John 14, 6. Okay. Simple as Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay. So why are you $64,000 question? Why are you Baptist? Why? At my well, uh, well, it, honestly, it's, you know, a lot of it is probably the same reason a lot of people, you know, cradle, cradle Catholics are are Catholic because I was that's kind of what I've been born into. Okay. But it's also it's where I really believed what the direction that you know that I feel is the direction that's that you know I need to go that's the truth okay. the truth direction I feel I need to go now I will say and that can kind of move into a different segment that I have actually <laughs> as of 2019 moved away from the Baptist Church into a Bible church Ooh. okay if yeah, I say look at the time yeah well <laughs> I will say this is that um in 20 it, events of I'll just leave it at January of 2017 for my church church started getting to a point where the church I really felt the politics of the church I felt the church was deeply influenced by politics where every sermon some form of poli- some form of federal politics was brought up and right. a message of federal politics was brought up yeah. and you know new in I felt especially in 2018 there was a lot of, hey, look at all these, you know, politicians that just happened to attend our church, and let's bring them out and let them speak and everything else. And it yeah. just it got to a point. I'm like, um, I don't attend church to listen to politicians. I attend church to, you know, be with a fellowship of believers. I attend church to learn more about Jesus Christ and what He has for me in my life. And I just grew to a point. I just said. This is not where I need to be. Okay. Moved over to a, a different church, a non-denominational Bible church, and what's the church called? Bent, uh, Bentry Bible Church. Oh, Bentry. Yeah, yeah, I know who they are. Yeah, I mean, literally, I can see Prestonwood from the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you know, and my daughter was very much just, you know, she, it, going to church for her was just getting to a point of, oh, do we have to? Why are we even doing this? Why are we doing this? And it just became a much bigger fight mm-hmm. of, you know, and it is, I just had to take a step back and I just said, you know, I know she says, I know she says, I don't, you know, I'm not wanting to go to church, but, you know, what's the root message? Why? Why is she saying this? And I just, as time went on, I said, well, let's see about making a change. I mean, it's, you know, we are in a very free country to express our religion. And yes. especially in North Dallas, there is no shortage of churches. Oh, no. And especially so, where we live, there's like six churches where we live. Of course. Like right in a mile. Right. Yeah. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try something different just to see what it is. And my daughter loves it. And every time I go there, I walk away like, I'm so glad I went today. I'm so glad I got to hear 
the pastor speak. And the, one of the interesting things with the church, you know, Southern Baptist Church I was with is it was very uh, male. You know, only men can serve, and only men can be pastors, and only men can do this. It, you know, very, very, you know, conservative way of yeah. thinking, and that's just that is just the way it is. And then the where I'm at. You know, there are some women who preach on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I get more out of what they say a lot. You know, I really get out a lot of what out they say because they they are really brilliant women who are bringing the gospel. Yeah. Um, so, your the seminary that they go to, do you know what they are? Um, I mean, talked to anybody yet? I haven't really talked to any of the ministers per se, but I mean, they come from all different all different kinds of uh, do, you know, kind of uh, more of the Christian doctrine. The idea. It's non-denominational, and it's just more the Bible focus. Yeah. You know, where, you know, what does the Bible say? What is, you know, what's that? That's our point of reference, and still continuing on with that, the evangelical idea of going through to save people. But the thing I like, it feels much more community focused. You know, what are we doing mm-hmm. in this North Dallas area? Not what we're trying to do on a, fe- you know, how are we, how are we going to try to change the world on a federal level? So I've uh, so so far I've I've been very very happy I've you know beyond blessed in regards to where where I am at in that church. I'm I'm reading their uh, kind of briefly through their about section and mm-hmm. trying to find those keywords I always look for and <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that tells me yeah. a lot who they come from, where mm-hmm. they come from, because right. there's uh, if you really dig deep and search for what's going on, you can find oh, out. Yeah who they came like there's the one church i wanted to go to and um i was looking at and i really started digging deep into them and found out that they were a branch of the uh uh pentecost yep and i was like oh no i am not doing that no um even though there's nothing wrong with that per se i guess it's just not where i wanted to venture into right well you have to you you know you have to find where where is god calling you know where is god calling you where is god leading you and like i said i was there for 18 years and yeah. i would you know i met my wife there i you know my daughter was dedicated there my daughter was baptized there so i mean there's and i remember my sunday school teacher and i got into a you know email and texting and then i was like i've just got to a point i'm like this is not a decision i take lightly by any means this is something that's you know fundamental to us in our in our walk and in our world but you know when when you feel the calling of this you know god saying this is you know this is where this is not where i need you i need you somewhere else and you feed that call and you figure out yes this is where i was called you know that's the thing it's like okay this is what should have happened you go where you're fed Yes, and that's the thing is I, where I'm at now, I'm fed. Very good. That's a good answer. There's always more. There's always more than one ways to love Jesus, and there's always um, there's never a wrong way to believe as long as you believe. So, if you are um, doubting yourself, then you're wrong. You need to go figure it out. You need to go talk to somebody and get the answers you need. Get fed because there's nothing wrong with it. Right. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's there's nothing. I, mean, I talk to people all the time who always have problems, always have reasons why not to, and I'm like, well, well, why not? Why not? Right. You know what? Tell you what, let, I always tell them, let's go c- come with me one Sunday, and right. you don't got to sit down in the pew. Stand <laughs> out here in the nor- stand out here in the north axe with me or the lobby, right? And we'll listen. 
That's all you got to do. Yep. Just make that first step. And it, you know, and that's the thing is, it just, it, you know, it's, you know, once again, kind of like evangelism, you know, mm-hmm. you know, making efforts to make inroads with, in you don't make inroads with groups, you make inroads with a person. Yeah. And just so, come on in, man. The water's fine. The Catholic Church. This goes back. So the question I had for you is, your mom said, "We're well, Catholic. We're not Catholic." That's yeah. That's, I would say that's, that's, I'm looking forward to this. Oh no, it's all you. So why did she uh, go there? So I actually asked her about that, and okay. the thing is, um, and what her response was. Remember, this was the early 1980s, okay. and basically, the idea in our understanding back then is that there was only really two ways to be a part of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Be born into it or marry into it. Okay. okay, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of answers back in those days when the Catholic Church is concerned. Because, um, yeah, so that's that's. So I'm 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 a faith coach. I teach the kids, right? Right. And so one of the things that our church, the Catholic Church, is scrambling as as whole, uh, scrambling to do is to teach the baby boomers the right way to teach to right. evangelize because when Vatican II happened mm-hmm. yep yeah. I've heard Vatican II a few times on this podcast Vatican II happened they told the Pope said parents who are our grandparents right um, do not teach your children we got this no man they feel miserably so now you have all these baby boomers who know nothing and the only thing that they know is because their parents told them to. Their parents didn't know either. Their grand, our grandparents didn't know either. So when they, when we ask them why, they're like, because. And so I always tell people when you're asking questions, question everything they say. Question everything you ask, question everything that you see, because that's what smart is. That's what learning is. Because they don't know, somebody does know. Go find it. Right. Go get fed. And so in the 80s, oh, man, I hated going to Catholic Church in the 80s. Man, I so hated going <laughs> because my mother didn't know why, but it's because we're told to. Yeah. And and I was just like, oh, man, I don't want to. And when I started going to CCD, which was a very yeah. heavily failed program yeah. in the Catholic Church where people want to admit it or not, nobody knew anything. Nobody knew why we do what we do. It's just because they said so and people did so. Right. There's nothing there other than because I told you so, and so it's so when your that makes total sense now. (laughs) Your mom was right because your mom didn't know. Well, and and nobody she she couldn't have got anybody in that St. Catherine's in that that time period because they didn't know. Right. That's you know. I I, I was very you know being able to know this podcast exists really spurred a lot of great conversation. My mom and I are very very close even though you know we're still very very close good and so it, it, just being able to spur on some of these conversations was just a real real rewarding yeah. experience is your mom me. listening to the show i don't know if she listens she may listen to this one okay it, good. and if she listens i hope I, I hope she gets something out of it well the the to your mom and don't take it personally it's it's nothing it was the catholic church in the 80s it's just now getting it's just now coming around to where we're finally catching up to the Baptists or to the non-denominational <laughs> churches of how to evangelize and where to take it and where to go and how to do it. Because it's one thing 
that I grew up in a non-denominational church in high school is that right. I learned scripture. I learned a ton, a lot of scripture right. where I could interpret it and know reasons why it says what it says. Right. Today, people my age who grew up in a Catholic church, stayed in a Catholic church, don't know this. Right. And, you know, some of it, and I think, you know, there's, you know, it's it kind of goes back to, you know, the Vatican II, as you mentioned. Yeah. And also, you know, there's just this liturgy of every year everything kind of goes the same am i speaking correctly or am i speaking incorrectly incorrectly okay. uh so our liturgy when we read the bible we have three year period a b and c okay so every year you're going to hear the bible a year one okay. year two year three in a three-year period you're going to hear 99.9 percent .9 of the bible okay okay from old testament to new testament and then after the three years, it starts over. So right now, I think we're in year B or year C. Right. So second year of the Bible, so it moves it around. But it's, there's, um, yeah, it's, man. I, I, if I could take a Catholic church and put in the jam out sessions that the non-denominational churches have that I love so much, and even and even Prestonwood Baptist, they did a great job of jamming out and playing the music that was relevant to today. Right. And take that and put the Catholic Church with it, uh, man. That would be the best Catholic Church ever because there's nothing wrong with rocking out to God. Yep. There's nothing wrong with jamming out. Right. And people are like, "No, that's Satan. You can't do that." I'm like, "Dude, have you ever been to a church where everybody was just clapping and having fun to singing to God?" Have you ever been to there? Like, no. Well, then you do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> Shut your hole and and come with me, and I'm gonna show you something amazing. Because when you come in here, you'll be like, oh my god, that was freaking amazing. That was awesome. Because everybody's in there doing one thing: they're praising, worshiping, they're rejoicing, they're jamming out, they're loving God in all kinds of beautiful ways. Right. And ain't nothing wrong with any of it. You know that, and that's the thing is that there's, you know, and that's the thing is that churches. Every church is done a little different, and it, you know. And the thing is, is that it's the praise and worship, and you know, it comes down also the doct, you know, the root doctrine mm -hmm. of where where it's at. And I mean, I can I can't speak very deeply into the Catholic faith because I just I just don't know it. I mean, I've I've been, visited a few times, I've been to a couple of events, but yeah. that's just you know, I've just to my mom's point, I just never really had a you know invite or anything of that nature. Well, you're invited, dude. Doors are open. <laughs> There you go. I, man. I I I I figured that would come, but yeah. I mean, the doors are always open now, right. and, and people who listen like we're I'm 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 gay or lesbian. But so what? Come on, man, bring it on. I'm Muslim. Doors are open, dude. Oh, I, 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 whatever you want to. I'm Jewish. So is Jesus. Well, I, <laughs> so you know, come the, on, the, man. The, yeah, the podcast you had with I remember the one with you, you had with Adam a few weeks ago. I listened, Adam Bowden, yeah. Yep, I listened to that. He, he very very unique individual with that cowboy church and uh -huh. and his perspective. It was it was really well done. He when there's a lot of conversation between episodes between his segments and and I'm not gonna give anything away, but he went through a lot just to get to where he is today because oh, he's gay. Right, but. When he went to the cowboy church, even though it was his dad's church, nobody cared who he was. Right. Because that's not the point. The point is to come in and worship. Come as you are. Yep. Just like he said. You come as you are. It's even in the Bible. Come as you are. It's, You're welcome. Well, and when I was growing up at uh, my church in high school, that was always the uh, uh, you know, like the altar call song. 
Oh, you know, yeah. the, you know, the you know, you know, Baptist church, there's, a, you know, there's always the altar call uh-huh. of, okay, you know, that's where, okay, you know, the altar is open. Are you going to give your life to Christ and go from there? So when you were, uh, so I was saved. And if you knew it's not, Dave, Dave, uh, his brother, John, right. uh, saved me. Right. And the altar call going down to the Baptist and the altar call. And my, I was saved on June 10th, 1995 at 10, 12 PM. Dang dude. Yeah. I remember wow. that. That's significant That's, to me. Yes. That was a big deal because that was a, uh, um, I was like I said, in the group of the, the group of these of our guys, we were most of us were troubled, and so I was um, getting away from the Catholic Church as much as much as I could. I couldn't, couldn't stand it, right? And so when Dave found me, the buildup in the non-denominational church, Protestant churches, Baptist churches, is that you always talk about being saved. What is this being saved thing? Right. And so the altar call is always a big thing, mm-hmm. and. And so, the um, I'll get to the difference in a minute. The when you get into this being saved, it's such a buildup that when it actually happens, it's a huge emotional thing. And so when Dave, I said, Dave, I think I'm ready to do this, and he said, Okay, well, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna talk to my brother. And so John prayed over me. Do you remember? Do you, do you mean John? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And so John prayed over me, and then I was saved. And so then I started going around telling everybody I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved again. I'm a saved Christian. I'm born again Christian, which is in the Bible, Romans ten, Thank you. nine. Yep. And and we we're talking about um, when we went through the process of it. Um, I just cried. I cried like a baby for quite a, for quite a while. Right. And and then and it, when the other times we go to the churches, being um, going to these altar calls, I would go down there just to go down there because I knew what I was doing was a good thing to go down there and receive a to receive the the blessing inside that Protestant church, whatever it was. Yeah, yep. So basically, it's like a blessing, as you can put it. And but without the word blessing. Yeah, yeah. but basically, you know, the 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 giving of your life. You I mean. It's one of those, yes, you can, you know, once saved, always saved, yeah. but, you know, sometimes you feel you need to rededicate, and oh, yeah. that's, in that, and that's definitely happens, you know, occasionally. Yeah, so when I would do those things, but I never felt it again, like, exactly the same way I felt it that day. We tried to do this before in a Catholic church, especially my Catholic church, the one in St. Catherine's, with the youth group, and having a kind of an altar call, and I was kind of bummed out, man, because... They didn't experience it like I experienced it, like because I wanted them to experience it the way I experienced it. This huge emotional trip, you know, like, right. and they're like, "There's not." It wasn't there because the way the Catholic Church does it right now, we don't talk about being saved. You're baptized, you're saved. That's then when you're a baby, not today. RCIA they do it that way where they get baptized when you're go through the RCIA right right of Christian Catholic initiation or whatever, right. And and depending on what kind of Catholic church you go to, there are different ways of doing it. You can either get fully dunked, or you can get um, water sprinkled over your head. Right. It, it all depends on that church, what that deacon or that priest decide to do. In our church, they sprinkle on her head, and I'm like, 
okay, if you're a 40 year old man or woman or, or child and you are knowingly joining the Catholic Church and you need to be baptized Catholic, dude, I want to go swimming. <laughs> I like that analogy. Because you go through, because to become a Baptist, what do you, how, how do you become a Baptist? And basically, with uh, the Baptist faith, you, you know, you, you basically say the, you know, the, go through the sinner's prayer of, uh, you know, confess your, you know, your, yeah. your sins before Christ. And then the idea is that, you know, once you do your profession of faith, I mean, you can truly become a Baptist. I mean, you don't yeah. truly, the baptism is more of a, is more symbolic of saying, you know, of announcing to the church, this is where I stand. I, I stand before you as a Christian, you know, saying that I believe in Jesus Christ and in front of the members and the minister, I am being officially baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be right. baptized and be raised again in newness of life. How long does this process take? So, I mean, we've, it, it, you know, literally there's been times where there's been an altar call, you know, an altar call, and then they'll say, after the altar call, we're going to go, you know, it'll be a nice summer day. We're going to go out to the fountains in the front of the church, and we're going to baptize you there. Okay, so it can be literally within it minutes. It can be, I mean, you yeah. can, you know, within minutes. I mean, you know, I've, and that's yeah. the thing is it's just, you know, if you come to the epiphany of, you know, I am being baptized, you know, I am, you know, repenting and in following Jesus, going to get baptized, that can all happen within a span of five minutes. Right. So the Catholic Church is going to go up to two years. Right. And, well, like, <laughs> yeah. with, with my daughter, you know, she, she did her profession, I want to say, like, uh, about two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, and she actually, they actually went through a class to oh, really, yeah. and basically for especially for kids, mm -hmm. the idea is just really going through with the the child and saying, you know, especially with having a childlike understanding, yeah. do you really understand the commitment and the ideas that you're making yeah. with this, as opposed to, well, my friend went, you know, my friend decided to go, so I'm going to go with them, and I mean yeah. that's the thing is making it that person you know making it that personal decision yeah so y'all so when the baptists do it or non non, non other protestant churches do it they they, they they'll dunk them and the catholic church the reason why we don't always dunk people is because a baptism is a baptism it's a baptism whether you get dunked or a little bit on the head <laughs> it's a baptism okay there's no wrong way of doing it um, as long as it's done correctly in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy there Spirit. Go, yep. Um, but after going through up to two years in RCIA to become a Catholic, dude, I want to go swimming. <laughs> I just got to keep saying that because you go through all this thing, which is not the easiest church to get involved in. Right. And because you have to go up to two years RCIA and you have to learn all these things of why we do what we do. Why do we do what we do in a Catholic church? Why are the traditions important in a Catholic church? Right. You learn this through RCIA. And for him to turn around and say, oh, we're just going to put a little water on your head and baptize his father. <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I really want to jump in that. And in our church, especially, we have a thing to where you can kneel down and just basically lay down inside. It's only like two foot, two foot deep, roughly. Right. But you can lay as long enough where you, a, a grown man can lay down all the way inside and dunk down or steps right. going into it. For the babies, it's a little pool and it's heated. 
it's heated water, so you don't freak, so you don't yeah. shock the kid. But um, I wasn't baptized as in when I was born again, right? Because I would, I just wasn't. There, our church at that time, what the church I went to was called Metro Metro Crest. Yeah, I remember that one. Yep, yep. And they were a part of the Presbyterian branch, right? And there was no baptism pool inside that place because it's part of a business. It's a business. Yes, I, I think I attended a couple events there. Yeah. So when we went through that, um, okay, great. Congratulations. You're saved. How do you feel? And now what do you do with this? And so then once that's moved on, um, yeah, so... So when I when I when I've been to the Baptist church, I went to the Presswood a few times to volunteer and help out, and I wanted to learn more about um, way they believe what they believe. And I grew up knowing that my dad was a Southern Baptist or just Baptist, right? And so, but he didn't know nothing about his faith because it, he grew up in the country, and going to church on Sundays was a break uh, the fields, working in the fields. So. It was just, it wasn't like, I'm going to learn a whole lot of stuff today for him. It was just, I'm getting out of the field to go, it's some AC. Right. So when he, so when I went to the Baptist church, they asked me if I'm going to be a member. I'm like, um, I'm a member. Sure. <laughs> what, what did I go? No. I mean, did you go, did you get baptized? Yeah. I was baptized when I was a baby. No. Yep. There you go. <sighs> the Catholic church. If you're baptized, we accept it. Doesn't matter when. You say it, we believe it. We we're the Catholic Church is is has enough resources to find this information now. Like we'll contact those churches. Right. If they're still existing, or the Baptist or the conference or whatever they call these things. Right. To find out these baptismal records. And we accept those things. That's fine with us. If you want to get baptized again through RCIA, welcome to it. You don't have to. You have been baptized once, but if you want to do it again through us, knock yourself out. We won't tell you no. That's some of the differences. So you're learning a little bit about the Catholic faith right now. Well, I mean, that you know, that's the thing is, uh, I mean, I've listened to this podcast for weeks on end, and yeah. I've definitely, you know, got myself educated. I just thought of another event Go ahead. that uh, that changed me a little bit in regards to in something you would probably remember. Okay. This occurred in February of 1993, your freshman year. All right. Do you remember when Aaron Wilford was killed? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that is something that truly shook me to my core. Why? Because remember, Bar Aaron Wilford was a baritone. Yes, he was. And That's I right. worked with him that fall. Like I crazy. remember this now. I remember you being upset. I remember you just happening to you. Yeah. Because... Yeah. But the thing was, is that that was also during a time of like, you know, when my church was going through a lot of like, you know, you know, who is your mission field? Who are you going through? Yeah. Aaron Wilford was one of them. And I remember yeah. that changed the perspective because that was one of the first times in my young life where I had experienced someone just kind of being killed. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Gone. And I mean, that's happened to me now a mm. few times where... You know, coworker or other people were suddenly, you know, for one reason or another, they're just gone, and that's and that I remember that specific that specific event very impacting me because, you know, he, I remember he was someone who I was trying to kind of evangelize a little bit to, and it's like, oh crud, wait a minute, I was kind of in the middle of that, <laughs> yeah. and so and just being you know being a seventeen year old 
you know, kid and just like, what do I do now? And so, and, it, but this, that was very impactful because it really, that's kind of what, you know, pushed me a little bit more to say, well, wait a minute, I really need to kind of get my act together because I don't know, you know, when's our, you know, when will I see this person next? Like a ghost in a night, man. Exactly. So, you kept saying, when you went to Romania. Yes. You said you kept trying. What do you mean you kept trying? Well, we would go to various people. We'd go to people's houses. We'd go on the street. We would, um, you know, present the gospel a little bit through the Evangel Cube. And sometimes they were receptive. Sometimes they weren't. I've got a couple pictures I, I can show you a little later right. in regards to what it was like. And, you know, so and as mentioned, you, you know, I think about this as Americans. Someone could come up to my door. Hey, can we talk to you about our specific religion? No. Bye. <laughs> you know, in Romania, they were a little bit more open. They were much more open to inviting people into their homes. They're very, you know, the people we met were exceptionally friendly, and I mean, they would sometimes feed us. You know, so they would always have a snack. You know, like some snacks they'd prepare, and you know, they were willing to really listen. We were with a little bit more rural community. And sometimes they'd accept it, and the, you know we're kind of shifting them from the Orthodox Romanian faith to more of an evangelical faith. Why? Because we have been commissioned by we were commissioned by the Great Commission. Well, again, to, what, why? Why? What's wrong with what they're doing? Yeah, that's the you know. There's my question. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. From well, from what I remember, remember it's 13 years ago. Yeah, and so you know. We're here to, you know, get them onto the evangelical, you know, toward the evangelical. We were working with the Baptist, you know, the a Baptist and a Pentecostal church in the city of Galatz is who had pushed, who had basically pushed, who basically kind of commissioned us to go to this town to the idea that we're trying to bring them, put, you know, kind of bring them away from more the works-based idea of their Orthodox faith to where the faith-based ideas of the evangelicals. Yeah. So I, that, let's put it this way: It's 13 years. My, I've changed my. So some would you of my do it folks. again? Say again. Would you do it again? I don't know if I'd do it again. I did, I think when I went, I think this is 20. Let's see. That was so. It was 2005. I was 29. I was 29 years old, and so you know, I think my understanding of where my faith is now as an older man and where I was at 29 is a little different. Yeah. I think if I were to do any kind of mission trip again, I would do more of a, you know, how can I help with something as opposed to just truly straight evangelism. Getting back to the being an introvert, it's just like, you know, the idea of just like walking up to a complete stranger, hey, let's talk about religion. I think about, you know, you know Linus Van Pelt and the Great Pumpkin. You know, there's three things I've learned <laughs> not to talk about, religion, politics, and the Great Pumpkin. You can think about what you want of the Great Pumpkin, but I think that is really... That speaks to, you know, people really don't like. Okay, let's talk, let's let's get up and start talking about religion. Let's get up and talk about politics. It's you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's it's kind of a grounds for controversy from the get go, you know. And so I think me being a little bit more mature and a little bit more understanding of my faith, I think I would try to find more of a mission trip that okay what can we do to help build a church to build a bed to build something that is tangible and especially you know we're doing you know we're helping in doing god's work as opposed to being out there and admittedly the trip to romania was a little bit preconceived because the idea was that we were going to my wife and i were going to try to do 
some kind of mission trip before we had kids. Yeah. And so we're like, well, we're planning to have kids around about this time, so we need to try to do it, th- you know, this summer. So just it just ended up kind of working. That's when it worked out. Mm. I would like to go back to that. You know, they were getting ready to build a church and and some things there, so I would like to go back there. Uh, just shift gears slightly. The one thing I found the most interesting there, I like infrastructure and looking at electricity and wires. That's just kind of my, you know, being an infrastructure guy. The thing I found the most interesting about that small town, the the houses had electricity, they had telephone, and they had cable TV. They did not have running water or sewer. And so it was just this like, wait a minute, you, you know, we got to pump the water from the well. What do you mean I got to go to that outhouse? That outhouse does not look nice. And <laughs> now that I've... Uh, had the privilege of going, you know, of uh, visiting a Eastern Romanian outhouse. Every mm-hmm. Porta John here looks like promotion. <laughs> just to give it a little humor, I bet you know that's. A, but yeah, that's the thing is, you just. You, I think a lot of it also, you know, you get a very quick perspective of life, yeah. and you know, whether I was destined there to try to com- make converts of people, I think more. The Lord worked in me and just trying to say, you know, be thankful. Be thankful for where you're at and who you have in your life. We saw, uh, My wife and I celebrated our second wedding anniversary over there. And he's, you know, wedding anniversary number two, We were it was raining that whole day. Yeah. And, you know, in the back alleys of Cadalba, Romania, and here we are. But I, just, I never forget that evening we had some of the, you know, pastors just lay their hands over us and just say we bless you know we bless yeah. you because you are here on your anniversary doing the work mm-hmm. so laying in the hands laying the hands it's just yeah. yeah that's a powerful thing yes yeah i've just i've bawled that night because i just got you know it's just it was so powerful mm-hmm. especially in something like that where it's part of your you're giving you're giving you're giving yourselves when it's supposed to be about you yeah, exactly. So to speak, yeah. and and then that next year we were at, uh, we we were at Yellowstone National Park having you know at the old Faithful Inn eating a steak uh, in two thousand six. Wow, <laughs> it's like we went from one extreme to the other. So when you get married, when you met your wife, you met her at Prestonwood. I did. And she grew up. She grew up. How did she? She grew up uh, Presbyterian. All right. I know her. Like uh, her mom's side is Baptist, and her dad's side was uh, Presbyterian. And so she grew up Presbyterian, and then I know, you know, hopefully I speak speak correctly of this page if you're listening, but basically they kind of didn't go to the church, you know, to the church during a lot of her high school, and then in college, yeah. uh, she came back to the church. Hmm. So when she was, so she's a, was she a member of the church when you met her? Uh, yes, she was. When, when did you become a member of that church? Uh, it was uh, 2001. How long? How long between the times you met and then? I was a member in two thousand one. We met in January of two thousand two. You met her at ministry. Uh, with a singles group. It works. Singles group is yeah. A singles group was good. We had one at St. Catherine. It's pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 this was it's, this was good, and it, and and I'm just I get think you know I wake up and just I'm so thankful for oh, yeah. that God put her in my life because uh, you know. You know she's my rock I'm her rock we we make you know it's it, we have to we make it work so y'all don't have any children we have one child is this your is she adopted one yeah yeah just okay. our daughter yeah yeah 
when y'all when y'all discussed this, was this a, it's part of one of the scripture questions which are up there, but I'm involved because nobody well goes with it. But anyways, it, when you met her and y'all said we get married, was there talk of children in the marriage? Absolutely, yes. Was it was there anything in there that said we're going to raise them like this? Well, unfortunately, since we were both uh, Baptist yeah. at the time, I mean, it was there was really no question, yeah, and that we raised her Baptist. And uh, I mean, it, and that's the thing is that one of the advantages of you know kind of marrying within your own denomination and mm-hmm. that it puts it to where you know you don't end up with a lot of conflict over no, your children and so you know and i mean this the the, tr- the change i made earlier this year that's been the biggest change we've ever made in our child's life and in our marriage was it a uh, when you when you decide to adopt it was it can we get personal about this or no um i'll just say you know there's there were some issues that you know led to the need of adoption sure um, Which is amazing because there's so many kids who are up to adoption right now in foster care that th- there's more of them than there are people willing to adopt. Right. And you keep seeing this commercial around like 250,000 or 400,000 kids that are, are in foster care waiting for families. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, a, it's huge. It's huge. Um, we got very fortunate in that um, we were uh, adopted our daughter at uh, two days old. So we got her as a baby, ba- you know, brand new baby does she know oh yeah okay you told her she knows she knows her birth mom oh cool wow her yeah. wow how yeah. does that work um yeah uh her birth mom is local and um you know it's an open adoption okay simple as that and did y'all do that or is that her thing this was a mutual decision uh i mean between like mm-hmm. were you like did, did the mother want this to be open adoption or she, she was yeah she was open to having it open and we were too and what's happened is that it's it started out as a little bit more kind of semi-open yeah but as we've matured and we've kind of gone on i mean it's just turned into like she's a kind of a little bit of a family i mean we see well, her yeah. see her about every couple you know every couple of months and uh you know it's been you know, it's really turned into something very wonderful. It's yeah. really, and uh, you know, it's it. You know, there's no real. You know, our daughter knows really. You know, she's known since you know the beginning. I mean, we don't make a big deal of it. And what we've and the idea is that also you you know using the verbiage of, you know, it's not real mom, real dad. It's birth mom. You know, I am I am my daughter's dad. Okay. I, you know, my wife is my daughter's mom, and then the other person is is her birth mom yeah and so you make that verbiage clear so then that way it's 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 understandable to all parties was it a process was adoption a process about about nine months wow about nine months when did you were you able to pick the kid at that point no well basically we we opened our house to basically we got went through a home study and then after the home study was complete we were kind of a waiting family okay um and then um things kind of just started ha- you know we just kind of got some information of things starting to happen in mid-07 and then uh you know literally from the time we found out we were selected to the time she was in our home was a week so we went from nothing to a baby in the home within a week so i mean that's you know one huge amount of shift were you was was the house ready? Did you know yeah. what age group you wanted? Well, I mean, we we knew that we, we were we were wanting to gear up more for like a a young baby. Okay. Because what you run into with a baby, you know, 
the baby understands you. And, you know, according yeah. to our daughter, we are absolutely her parents because that is all she's ever known. Yeah. I mean, I, my, I have step, step sons yep. and it's incredibly, uh, there's a lot of up and downs. Yes. And so, because they're both old enough to know very very much know who i am right yeah, and so it's it, it's its own it's its own you know kids are their own fun and challenge but yeah. it's it's really worked out it's i mean yeah. i you know god has blessed us with her she is you know she's you know 11 and probably one of the sweetest human beings i've ever met in my entire life and yeah. i you know i thank the lord for her every day because he truly blessed me with one of the neatest people I've ever met, and I get to be her dad. I mean, that's awesome. I can't. I really can't ask for anything more. The fact that I get I get to raise this awesome kid every day. Was your um, is your wife older than you or younger? Uh, just a few a uh, few months younger than me. Okay, we're rough roughly the same age. All right. Hmm. But yeah. Um, so tell me about the move when y'all went to this new church. Was that a thing? Well, it just it, I just really grew to a point where I was just like, to your point, I just was not getting fed. And I just felt like, you know, going to church, wait a minute, you know, yeah. or, you know, it's like I'm having to like, okay, what new, you know, it's, it's got to a point of, you know, it's getting more of a political spin yeah. than it was a true, you know, I'm getting the gospel. And I just got to a point, I said, I gotta change because this is in this is not the direction I need to go. And, yeah, I understand this. And I had we had some other friends who had kind of made the a decision ahead of time, and you know, they basically had moved to Bentry ahead of time. And I just got to a point. I'm like, you know, I just gotta at least see what it's see what it's like, just to see, you know, you know, if if it if I go there and I'm just you know, you know, happy, you know, I'm like, this is this is good, and I. I want to stick. I can stick. If nothing else, I can go back, or I can yeah. try something else. I go there. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. This. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm dealing with that right now. Our bishop the other day sent out a, th a letter and on a Facebook page about politics, about a political thing. I'm like, man, no. Yeah. No, man. Politics and churches don't. There, there's enough. There's enough inter eternal politics, internal politics inside of church. Right. Don't bring this stuff in here, man. This is place for praise and worship. This place to, to love Jesus. I don't care what's going on outside those doors at this point. Well, and I mean, it comes to you know separation of church and state. Yeah. And, you know, and you know the original church and state was the idea of that you are not you know the church you know it's like avoiding the Church of England where you know the government you know the government basically has a church yeah but i feel like sometimes there's you know i guess got to a point where it's like okay this is not you know this is not you know the go you know i'm not getting the gospel i'm getting you know a political message yeah way back when i drank this guy um, me and my wife we were just dating at the time we went to this place called line and crown and it's in addison it's a really cool little british pub and uh so for whatever reason on Friday on a Friday night when everybody's in there getting sloshed or whatever, having a good time, this this just guys decided to come and get on a soapbox and preach and do political. Oh, great. And I'm like, does he not know what drinking is about? And does he not know where he is? Does he know where he's what he's doing? Does he know who his name is? Because no man would ever, nobody smart enough would ever sit there and be like, Hey, I got something to tell you. Put down your beer. 
I'm about to give you some political crap. And and uh, we had a friend at the time. She went after him. She took off after him and started chewing him out right there and the whole thing. Because he started talking and she jumped off her bar stool and went right at him. And yep. it's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Yeah, that, that's like the what that man is, is like the antithesis of my personality. <laughs> I just, I don't want to do, that's not the thing mm. I, I mean, if you, if you go to my the video of like what I was doing last night, I did a performance for my work, yeah. uh, Living on a Prayer, and where I sang in front of a bunch of people, which uh, turned out to be a lot of fun, but it was very, you know, I got to just do all kinds of crazy stuff on stage and and I'd say that, and I posted one of my friends like I was a hundred percent sober, even though I look like I'm just crazy on stage. That's awesome. But it was fun. So I I have a fun funny story for you if you're interested about yeah. you know drinking and alcohol and stuff and, right. and how I so in college I'm you know I think I was it was just before my senior year so I was like I think I was, yeah I was 22 okay. so I was I was of age and then I had a roommate who just before. Uh, school started he said well let's just go out to dinner and we went to this uh brew pub he drove i'll I'll quickly say he drove and he didn't drink at all either and so i was like oh i think i'll just try to drink my drink a bit and so i got to a point i had like i had a couple beers and i was just kind of like okay i'm drunk and it's so funny i was just kind of laying there and he just looks at me he's like you okay i was like yeah i'm drunk he's like what do you want to do i'll go home and so i just kind of get myself home and I just kind of get on the, I just sit on the couch and turn on the TV. And I eventually just kind of fall asleep sitting up on the couch. Yeah. So the next morning I'm kind of, you know, got that headache and everything else. I said, did I do anything crazy? He said, dude, you are the most boring drunk on the <laughs> face of earth. Yeah. And that's what the, do you do? I'm going to go home. I was going to go home. And that's the thing. That's, that's me. And that's probably one of the last times I've ever, I, I, I ever got drunk was in college. But I just, you know, but it's funny. It's like now I'm on a few, you know, I'm on a few medications for some health conditions all right. and all, all, you know, medications like abstain from alcohol, abstain from alcohol, abstain from alcohol. So it's like, well, you know, I, it was, you know, so now it's like, you know, before it was more of a religious idea and now it's because it's a medical idea. So it's like, well, I, I can't do it now. And, you know, that's a, it's a good reasoning and that's what I'll stick with. So we're um, so you were a deacon, and okay, so for a deacon in a Catholic church, it takes almost eight years. Believe it or not, that's yeah, that it sounds about right. Takes a long time because they want to make sure you know what you're doing because the wife has to be involved in it. Everybody in your family is going to be involved in this. Um, it's it's it it's almost it's not it it is as long as it is for. For man to go through seminary to become a priest in the Catholic Church, right? So when you hear of a person in the Catholic Church as a deacon, rest assured that they have gone through immense amount of training to do what they're doing up there. They're not just—I mean, I'm not. No offense, man. They're no, not just throwing up there saying, "All right, good luck." They're. <laughs> They go through several ministries, like uh, like in our diocese, we have three ministries that we send that they send deacons to: prison ministry, right, hospital ministry, yep. or um, hospice, right, yeah. where they go to the families at home, yeah. right. So that's a, right. So that's part of it. The other first part of it is a discernment where they're like, for a whole year, is this what you want to do? Are you sure? 
because you can you can back out you can quit but is this what you want to do right are you sure and they keep asking these questions they keep asking these questions like sure 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 and then when you finally go through the process and they say man um we appreciate you coming through we're we're happy that you gave us a year of your life but no or congratulations we're moving on to the next step so there's a lot of things in here and the deacon ministries in the catholic church it's uh it's a bunch of people sitting in tables around a bunch of round tables listening to another deacon up there on or a preacher or a priest talking to him about the deacon ministries that's that's the kind of process of it goes through right. and then they go through a whole bunch of other stuff later on down the road but for baptists yes i okay Dave was a deacon too. I don't know if you knew this or not. That doesn't surprise me. But they, right, I know. And last time we saw him, I'm like, why aren't you a pastor? Why aren't you a pastor? You're good. You know what you're talking about. Go be a pastor. He's like, no, I don't want to be a pastor. I said, go to seminary, dude. Go do it. So you were a deacon also. Yes. In this big church here. Yes, I was. That's freaking awesome. Tell. So, Tell yeah, basically in uh, 2000. Uh, yeah, it was like uh, 2008, 2009, uh, I got nominated to be a deacon, uh, went in, and they basically wanted me to uh, give my testimony, and uh, I was eventually, you know, made aware that, yes, I've been accepted, and then there was a big ceremony, uh, and also, yeah, your wife kind of comes behind you and says that she'll be your support during this time, and yeah. basically for me, it was more of... Uh, you know, meetings every month. Also, uh, administering, uh, commu- you know, we call it the Lord's Supper. You know, yeah. communion, Lord's Supper, and basically doing, you know, being that. Also, holding yourself up to a higher standard. A lot of the deacons are also uh, Sunday school teachers or Bible fellowship yeah. teachers. Uh, the one thing also is that uh, during a month, like a team will be a hospital ministry. Which hospital ministry was my favorite and most challenging part of it. In that. You know, I really like to talk to people one on one. I love to minister just one on one with a person, especially if someone who's who's in a position that's an issue. And I just I, I enjoy that. I've got a heart for that. Yeah. But the thing I ran into is to your point is that when you know tw- 2009, 2010, 2011, I have a full time job. I have a toddler at home. I you know I'm you know pulled in all these different directions and yet i need to get you know and add one more and it just got to a point i just said i you know we basically you do like a three years on and one off and then you you know the idea is in the ideas you you know re-up after you know after that one year of sabbatical and i did like about two and a half years and i just got to a point like okay i just i can't go any further i you know i'm spread too thin and it just i've learned in my life you know, you got to look at your plate of all the things that, you know, you yeah. ha- exist and you just got to, you know, I get to a point where I just said, what do I absolutely have to do? What is required mm-hmm. to just function? And, you know, so, you know, a lot, you know, it comes down to like work, yeah. you know, be, you know, take care of the, the home the best I can. And then, you know, anything else, but it got to a point where, you know, the, the activities and everything else that was existing just overfilled the plate, spread me too thin. I just said, you know, I have to, I have to know where to cut my losses. Yeah. So I don't, I don't overextend myself. And I just said, okay, 
And then I just, you know, quietly, you know, quietly resigned. They were, you know, all the, my leaders were very good with it, especially just being oh, forthcoming. Yeah, they're used to this type of thing. Well, and, I, and the humor that was given to me is that they said, if you go to a deacon meeting, it, this, it, the meetings were always all men. It's all men. And you'll notice he said, if you look at most of the men, the men either have white hair or no hair. And there's a reason for that. Had to retire, yeah. Yeah, basically the idea is that they have older kids. You know, their kids are either out of the house or they have older kids. They're not trying to juggle a full-time job and the responsibilities of a toddler yeah. and other things. And, you know, me, you know, some some dads can do that. Um me, I, I'm a very hand, I'm a very hands-on dad. You know, yeah. very. I, you know, I've spent a, make sure I spent a lot of time with my daughter, and especially she was going through some. You know, she was a toddler, and so she yeah. was challenging. And and I just got to a point. I'm like, I just I have to put my family first in this regard. Mm-hmm. And so I quietly resigned and and just decided, okay, I'm just gonna move on. And it, it you know, and yeah. to your point, I mean, you know, the deaconship of the Catholic Church. You know, you really have to dedicate yourself, and you have to have the time and energy for it. And mm-hmm. I just got to a point like this: it, it, it spreads me too thin. I can't. I just got to know where to cut my losses. That's that's why I do a huge process of in the church of in the Catholic Church about for deacons is getting you understanding for a whole year. Like this is a dis- the, the discernment, which is like the decision process, basically. Of do you do you get it? Right. Are you sure you get it? Do you got it? Are you right. sure you got it? You know, do you get it? Right. You keep going back and forth to make sure you understand. And they go through weekend retreats and weekend um, processes so you can make sure that you're you're good. And then right. even then, they, they still look at you like, mm, thanks for coming. Or, yeah, man, ready? Let's go next step. So right. you were, the process in the Baptist church of becoming a deacon, you were nominated Yes. So you put your head. Did you put your name in a hat or something? No. It, 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 deacons are nominated by other deacons, and so the idea is that they look for men who you know who are of upstanding character and who they think could really help the deacon. Bo- you know who can help the deacon body, and naturally with some of the attrition that happens with deacons rolling off or others rolling on. In a larger church as Prestonwood, they need a very large body mm-hmm. of deacons. To, you know, just to make, you know, kind of get the day, you know, day to day operations. So, how long did that process work take? Uh, four months. Four months? I think from my, from my initial. Wow. Yeah. Or four, uh, I think I was going to say is like, as October of, of 08 is when I got the letter that I was nominated. And I you think got a I letter. went, yeah, I got a letter that I was nominated, went through the process. And then by February, I was uh it was in the you know in the in the ceremony. Was there so a ceremony what kind of ceremony is it? Uh basically it's just a you know you you lay you know pra- the pastors come over they lay hands on you they pray for you they okay. you know your wife is you know there you know putting her hand you know putting your hand on your shoulder you you kneel mm-hmm. you're kind of being in reverence uh, in impenitence of of what your standing is and the idea is you know you are you know the idea is you are a servant leader. Yeah. You know you are you are a servant. Okay, and so, but yeah, v- very quick process, and man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool, man. Yeah, so you know, as always, it's just it's a it's a different way of doing things. But to your point, I like the idea of the 
you know, really making sure that individual is ready because, yeah. you know, especially in the life season I was at mm-hmm. when I was nominated, I was not ready. I d- just because of the yeah. life season where I was at at that time. No, yeah, you're, there's people in my church that um, get overwhelmed easily. And when I first joined a church, when I first went to Catholic Church to St. Catharines when I turned 30, I jumped in. I jumped in over my head. And I got involved in everything I could get involved in. And then eventually I started to draw myself back a bit right. and choose what was important for me to do to where today um, I'm even now withdrawing myself through a lot of things except for, from the youth group because one of the things I love to do is teach, teach kids. Um, but I pulled myself out of almost everything except for that because the kids need the kids need it. Right, it's, and, it's our job to teach them and share the message and pass it on. Right, and you got to find you know you got to find that balance, and that's mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing that I heard a lot in a lot of my friends. Like you know, it's like that you can you can spread yourself. It's so easy to spread yourself oh, yeah. thin, and you know, I'll get back over shift gears. Um, one of the things that we my wife and I did when we first were married is we were part of uh, the Dallas Christmas Festival. Right now they they call it the gift of Christmas, but. Um, I remember we did rehearsals and we did all this other stuff and you know I was in my late 20s and I actually part of the Dallas Christmas Festival I was a dancer of all things the Christmas spectacular thing yeah yeah and this was back in oh three and oh four yeah, I mean, we, 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 we've been to two of it two things of it it's amazing yeah and we did a gift of you know they've changed it to gift of Christmas yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah that whole like first scene yeah. I was part of it and I did a dance you know I was part of the dancing group I've got some photos if you're so you're so inclined we'll look at them later but yeah it's it's, it's you know being able to do some dance and perform yeah. it was something that it was definitely once again out of my comfort you know out of my comfort zone but Boy, I enjoyed it, but it was so. You always hard. say yes within reason, man. Well, and especially, <laughs> you know, back in '03 and '04, I was in my you know late twenties with no kids. Yeah, I had a, you know work was not as you yeah. know you know I had a, a job that didn't call me much after hours, and yeah. then especially as I've gotten more deep into my career, I'm in you know work where that. You know, occasionally will call me at various hours of the night and day. Yeah. You know, it it's a uh, you know you you try to keep things running, but sometimes the power goes out, yeah. the network goes down, and thing and things go sideways. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a uh, yeah man. So you always say yes within reason. That's why I tell yep. people in the church. I got a buddy now where he's been tapped. He's good going. He's going for seminary, and uh, he just got done doing his two years of. Um, Service. So in a Catholic church, you want to be as, so in a Catholic church, if you want to be a priest, you can't just walk in off the street and say, I want to be a priest. They don't know who you are. Right. Uh, the Catholic church has learned painfully that that's not a good idea, such as, such as all these scandals that are happening today. Right. So, um, so they do a thing called two years of service where you join in every ministry that you can and you. Um, serve you get to know everybody because the the it's and, and I disagree with this that the people who are quote unquote in charge are the ones who send you through they they recommend you to go okay so what happens is the like there's a few people in our church that think that they're hot dog but they're not um, 
and so they think they have a voice and what happens is they say yes or no to this person going hey you you know this person they've been serving what do you do you recommend them go on going on into seminary and they say yes or no like it's their life <laughs> so Yikes. so yeah so uh so anyways he he jumped in he went over his head and he started doing his stuff and i said man okay jump in and let me know what you think in a couple of months. And a couple of months later, he says, this sucks. I said, which part? <laughs> he goes, this, this, and this. I said, all right, get out of it. Focus on these other things. Right. And so he did. And so now he got, so so then the deacon of our church, he taps him and he says, okay, now you're going to go do this. And I looked at him, I said, this dude doesn't know anything about anything. And you're making him do this now, which he's going to be a, a counselor of a RCIA recipient of a new Catholic okay. coming in. And that's a process. Like you have to be on your, you have to know what's going on. Right. You right. have to be able to counsel this person correctly in order to give them the right information about the Catholic church. Like you can't just be like, nah, I think so. You have to know. Yeah. You have you, you got to know beyond the shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. and also and have a real depth of understanding of the, the methodology and such. Yeah. Right, so he, so anyways, it, they were okay with him doing it, and so now he's off and running. It's been the end of his two years. They tapped him. He's going through discernments now, and um, so in in our church, in the Catholic Church, in our diocese, our district, uh, uh, they go for to seminary in July. Okay. So hopefully he's on that train to get out of here. But again, he's done two years of service, and they can still say no. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing about it. It's like, thank you for coming. Appreciate all your help. No. And, in that, and, and during that time, he's dedicated two years to the kind of the volunteer, you know, the kind of volunteer of what he's looking to do. Yeah. A potential career change. That's a, yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly, nope, access denied. Yeah. Yeah, so it sucks. So that's the so the same thing with the deacon. It's a big process of the, the whole year, like two years of this, and then a year of that of the discernment, and then they can say no. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a crappy deal. But I but I totally get it because in the Catholic Church, if you go into the process of everything, when you go to seminary, you 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 go to college. You go get your college degree, just right. just like the pastors at the Baptist Church and the pastor at your church now, Bentry, they have a college degree. Yeah, and they also have a formation degree, so they probably have a doctorate in something inside the church. Right, usually a, a master's of divinity or doctorate. Yeah, like you know Southwestern Seminary or Dallas mm-hmm. Theological Seminary and such. Right, so. Um, and the Catholic Church, the one thing that they had learned tremendously is the languages. There's three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. Now, depending on the district that you live in, that you're going to be preaching in, the four dioceses, the languages that we also, they also have to learn is Vietnamese and Spanish. Well, that makes sense. Right. We're in Texas. We're in Texas. That makes sense. But the Vietnamese thing, we have a huge Vietnamese population in our diocese. In fact, we even have a church in a Catholic di- in our diocese that is a Vietnamese church. Doesn't right. Vietnamese show up there? It's Americans too, but mostly it's Vietnamese. For, right. So you have to learn those four: see, Latin, Greek, Latin, uh, Spanish, 
Hebrew, mm-hmm. and Spanish. Uh, five v- Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Yep. Five languages you have to learn. And if you don't pass Greek, which is the the, the, Bible, the language your Bible is written in, right? you don't move forward. I have enough problems with English. I know. <laughs> so, so, um, so, yeah. So, these people who go into this thing, people don't realize how smart these people really are. Right, right. And and they the degrees they went to. So, they went through eight years of college, which is basically getting a doc, becoming a doctor. Right. And they're, they they put them up there with this understanding of you are the shepherd. This is what your job is. You are to lead your flock to God, to Jesus. This is your job. Right. Pastor, a, a from Baptist to Bentry to whatever, this is your job. This is what you chose to do. You've been taught by God. But the man has authority to say yes or no. Oh, wow. And that sucks. And so the Catholic Church right now is the one of the questions is, can women be priests? In the Catholic Church, in Episcopal, yes, absolutely. In other denominations besides Baptist, yes, absolutely. But in the Catholic Church, no. And so, whenever a girl walks up to say deacon, I want to be a priest. I'm, I'm being called to be a priest, right? And a deacon looks at the girl and says, "No, you're not." Who are you to tell a girl, "No, you're not"? After she just was like crying on her hands and knees, saying, "Oh my God, this is being called," and so. It's been passed down this this thing where I think we talked about this earlier about you're saying that you're um, you're saying that you're uh, uh, that's why I can't hear my dog out there barking. Mm-hmm. You're saying uh, where what I'm, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, come on, uh, <laughs> don't worry. It's uh, so oh so. Yeah. The thing is with the Catholic Church is that if you feel like you've been called, you mistaken it, therefore you're being called to be a nun. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I I see where the cat the an old school you know kind of the yeah. uh, like, you know the thinking of the Catholic Church would go well, you know look to pursue this type of path because that's you know that's the path that has been yeah. prescribed through you know. But like you yeah. were saying in your church at Bentry, there's a female pastor, right? There, yeah. Well, they they have a team, and there's yeah. a couple. There's like a two or two that will come up occasionally. But yeah, the ones the the two ladies who will preach every now and again. Yeah. It's just every time I'm just like, okay, I'm so glad I went today. Yeah, yeah. I just I learned from them, and and that's the thing. And you know, the some of the elders and some of the other, um deacons are women and i think yeah. you know it's it, it is a little bit more progr- you know, a little bit more progressive in what i grew up in progressive is a good word and right. and progressive scares the catholic church right and it scares it, a lot of churches well and the thing is is that um to me i don't really see you know you know if if there's a place in the bible where it says men are to t- I, know, I know i'm trying to remember where the exactly where it's like men should teach and such i'm not sure offhand yeah. but i do see especially if you have a male you know just a male dominated leadership and you're just uh not leading other pe you know the yeah. you know women to be able to be leaders i mean you're pretty much you know, taking out fifty percent of potential leadership. Uh huh. Oh yeah. And the thing is, is that you know, at least in the church I'm in now, I'm seeing where 
you know, men and women together can make very solid leaders. Uh-huh. And it's okay. And it's okay. It's, it's, you know, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. The, the Easter service I went to, you know, they, they had one of the ladies who, who taught and my uh, parents, uh, joined, you know, had, was there, were there at the service with me. And I said, it's a little different. I know that you know, I'm not used to having a, a female uh, pastor like well she did what she said was very solid and very mm-hmm. good and you know and, and the truth becomes are you getting the go- you know is this person p- preaching the gospel message and yeah. in this case the answer is yes yeah and if the answer is yes then you know once again simple and deep yeah man kiss keep it simple stupid keep it simple yeah there you go um so the priest uh Man, it's had a train of thought. No worries. Oh, man. So what happens, so um, if our if the Catholic Church ever decides to go this way, it would bring people back into the pews like crazy. Because in my battalion in the Army, one of my CEOs was a female, and she was absolutely amazing. Everybody listened to her. They listened to her more than the male CEOs. <laughs> because they're like, what else do you have to say? Tell us more. Right. Tell me about your experiences in the first Gulf War. Right. Tell me about your experiences in Panama. Because that's how far she went back. Wow. Yeah. She was a just a little grunt. And, and she served in that. She was a support in Panama um, to where she w- went through the ranks. And when she went to the first went to, went to the first Gulf War, they put her in charge of certain things. And then she became a CO. Wow, and uh, and then when when I finally came into her life, when she came when I finally came into the life, she was a commanding officer of a battalion. Wow, that's, and, that's saying something. Yeah. So, but man, uh, like I was saying, the I Tennessee like to listen to the men and women who go through it. Like there's this one father named Father Jonathan Wallace. He lived before he became a priest. Right. He lived. He okay. has some stories. Right. Before he became a priest. So, therefore, he knows what he's talking about, not by what the Catholic Church says, but by what his experience says about this senior. As such, as a female priest in your past in your church and the other male priests in your church have been married that are married. I don't want to listen to a, a Catholic Catholic priest who's not married talking about marriage. Yeah, there's not there's not a point of reference. So, it's funny cuz you know, I talked about my Friend, or much earlier, my friend David Paul, yeah. who's the uh, pastor at Espanola, New Mexico, First Baptist Espanola, and I always like to listen to him. And I, I've talked to him, you know, he and I talk on the phone occasionally. And you know, he worked in the corporate world. He was a missionary, yeah. And he's just he's got that bit of life experience. He, I mean, he got deported. I mean, I remember when he texted me, he's like, "I'm getting deported from Russia. They've <laughs> they've cut they they found I was." teaching the gospel ministry and this is when russia was having all kinds of issues with the ukraine yeah they, a couple years ago i saw a story about it recently how yeah, they don't like groups of 30 or more yep and so they literally said you got 15 days go yeah. and so they had to literally pick up everything they owned and move to latvia for about mm-hmm. six months and then they moved to the states they moved to macedonia for a while and then just got to a point where they just decided well let's just go back to the states and you know, pursue being a pastor, and uh, they've done there it. But go. that's the thing is that, to your point, they've really, you know, at least when I've I talked to him, I mean, he's been through so much, and just 
you know, day to day corporate, yeah. being married, being uh, in a, in the mission field, and just kind of like know. being kind of like you can't get relationship advice from somebody who's been married four times. <laughs> Ain't happening, man. <laughs> Don't tell me what didn't work, dude, because it's not helping me. All right, fair enough. So, um, Michael Edwards, man, what a trip. So, can you be a deacon at Bentry? I probably, um, I don't know the, you know, I'm still fairly new. I probably could be a, a deacon at Bentry if they so chose me. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's it's a Bible church and it's non-denominational. So with, when it comes to more of the Bible elders, and yeah, yeah, it's elders and yeah. such. And so that's the thing is that when it comes to the non-denominational churches and things of that nature, they're just a little bit more kind of open in regards to the mm-hmm. rules. There's there's not a real governing is as far as I know. There's not a superseding governing body that says this is what you do such as the you know southern baptist convention or Mm -hmm. the catholic church where you have kind of a hierarchy of how things work yeah yeah there's always a hierarchy and it sucks well and Uh, you know it's it's horrible well every place is different uh, yeah my dad the other day said you know i walk in there on sundays everybody looks equal to me i look at him like it's that's a nice thought, man. It is not equal. Nowhere near. They they that they, they they like to perceive it that way, to show it that way, to put the nice front on. But dude, there's a there's a hierarchy, man. There's a ranking system, and if you're not in it, you're not with it. It's just crap. Well, here's a here. I have actually thought of a good question for you, and that yeah. I always thought about you know with the with the Catholic Church, there's parishes, right? Parishes a church, yes. So. Within your own, so because I don't know so much about the Catholic Church, like can you, if you live some, if you like live here, can you go to a church in a different parish? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I thought freedom, freedom of religion. Okay. I I wasn't sure if it, if there was a, you know, requirement of parish. No. So what happens is if you want to go to a different, so like say like we're in four dioceses and down the road St. Catherine's over here, two miles further down the road is St. Anne's of Capel. Right. Okay. In Farmers Branch, there's Mary Magdalene. And and um, and Ca- and Plano, there's Saint uh, Rita and Mary, and, and yeah. then a bunch of other ones, right? Yep, past all those. Yep, <laughs> yes, uh, pa- past them, past them on the road. Yes. Okay, so what happens is if you want to go to say like my church is a Franciscan church, so therefore I have Indian priest. So their understanding of an American way is very slim to none. Where if I go to Saint Anne's and Capel, that's an American priest. So he's gonna. So I understand him. He understands me by my lingo. What we're, the way we've been talking, right? My the father at my church right now would not understand most of it because they're not here. Right. They weren't born. They weren't born with our language, our mannerisms. Right, and right. So you're going to have a different, uh, different experience in that church, just like you would at any other Baptist church down the road. Right. The First Assembly Church in Coppell is different from First Assembly Church in Carrollton. Right, right. So. It's yes. You're welcome to go to all those church, any church you want to go to. Uh, you're just going to have a little different experience and whatnot. Because I know, like with like Mormon and, and and LDS, like you're you're supposed to be in your ward and go to man. that specific church. That's a whole. Man, that's Mormons a whole. Mormons are messed up, man. You know, I, I did I, what I always say. I've, I have a lot of friends who are Mormon and LDS. Grew up, you know, Carrollton had a real big yeah. LDS and Mormon and. Uh, morally, just the most wonderful people I've met in my life. Yep. Theologically, I just you know when you is, start talking about the church, I'm like, what are you doing? It's it's a whole different ball of wax, but I I don't quite understand it. But it is what it is. I will say, I will say this is that I 
in 2006, I visited the Mormon Tabernacle in Salt Lake City. Neat place. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. And then literally that, you know, I think like two days later, I had a knock on the door from the lo- local Mormon yeah. ward saying, hey, we saw that you visited the uh, the Tabernacle. Do you have any questions in regards to the Mormon church? And I just have to, I, I was like, okay, well, if that's mo- that's mobilization there. Cause, yeah, you'd be like, so do y'all believe in Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those beautiful, pl- you know, beautiful place. Enjoyed my visit. We're good. Thank you. Have you know? Thank yeah. you. We're good. <laughs> In fact, my and uh, my guest coming. One of my guests coming up. She's a Mormon. Uh, that's and gonna be. I look forward to that. I look forward a, to that podcast. She's she's a excommunicated Mormon. Oh, crime! So yeah, it's gonna be a good show, and I'm really looking forward to talking to her because she's like she's got some stories, man. She told us a little bit about it a few days ago. And I was just like, wow, okay, awesome. Anyways, Michael Edwards, man, so you've had an experience. You had a life. You uh, traveled with E3 Ministries. They're now called E3Partners.org. Yes. And you can go. Their their thing is, uh, their motto is, uh, make, make, make a disciple. That's her thing. Oh, equip God's people, evangelize his world, establish his church, which partners up with Matthew 28 there perfectly. Exactly. Man, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been a privilege. I, I tell you, you know, if, if, if you call me in again, if you call me in again, I'll be happy to show up. Is it, is it all you thought it'd be? You know, it it's good. You know, it's always, uh, it's, it's just good to talk one-on-one and uh, hopefully... The listeners out there will get something out of this, and uh, you know, be a little smarter, be a little wiser. That's 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 the whole purpose, man. That's one thing about I love about talking about the church of people is you get a variety of knowledge, and right. like the books I'm studying, there's books next to you that I've been studying right. that are um, real Jesus, and you look into those. Oh my oh. God, that's just oh, incredible. crazy. A create crazy amount of information that proves that Jesus is real. Right. Like this book right here. I don't know if you've seen this before. Not had the privilege, but it's a it's a very thick book. Antiquity of the Jews by Josephus, and uh, it talks about the Jewish war and Amy mentions where Jesus was in the Bible. There's only actually three books. Um, in fact, it's in that book there. Jesus is real. Uh, that mentioned Jesus. Interesting. Okay. And that's where we solidify that he was a real life person because these people talk about him. Right. But they don't talk about him in the Messiah standpoint. They're talking about him in he was this guy who started this cult (laughs) in that time period and that was it. Like, we know him. We knew him. We heard of him. Okay. Because the three people who wrote the history books that write about this guy were within 100 years of his life. All right. And so the talk was still there. The Christian cult was still there. Right. Which is going against the Philistines and all the other. Yeah, the Sadducees and the Philistines and all the other. Which yeah, are already established. And the and kind of the, the Roman Empire that was. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, all that. So, okay, that's, that's, that's quite the depth. Yes, it is. It's super, super deep. And that's why a 61-page book, I've been reading it for the last four days. I can't get past page 15 because there's so many little details I'm oh, researching man. in there, man. It's wow. Nuts. Crazy. 
So yes, there is a world and wealth of knowledge out there about the Bible, about history, about things, and that's my forte about churches: the history of the why they happen, why do things yeah. happen, and um, where it happened, why in the middle of a freaking desert. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, can they not go pick up trees and stuff in the woods and have it be in the desert? I don't know. Well, it's the one thing that's sometimes pushed through in regards to the churches I've been to and is uh, making a visit to the Holy Land. Oh, my God. I would love to do that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I think, you know, and I've heard people speak about how after they visit the whole, you know, being able to visit Israel and yeah. Jerusalem and Bethlehem, how that's the thing is where we are sitting, all this is more in the ethos and it's all concept. And I think if Good you, word. yeah, if you go to the actual Holy Land, it suddenly becomes tangible. Uh, Don, my guess, Don Middleton, my cousin, right. he went there. Oh yeah, he was a great one. Yeah, and he talked about how like whoa, whoa, he's just like this is nuts. Yeah, actually going to the Sea of Galilee, going to the Jordan yeah. River, and see, and you know seeing Jerusalem and and you know all the very you know the you know Garden of Gethsemane and all you know all these locations yeah. where you know this is where it happened. Yeah. It's amazing to me because I always want to bring those people who are creating all these fights and these wars, bring them over to America and see how relaxed it is, man. Like, you're all good. You're fine. It's okay. Believe what you want to believe. You're welcome to do that. Well, There's no, there's no wrong way to do it. <laughs> as long as you believe, you're in good shape. Dan, we, we need to put you as a Middle East peace, yeah, peace talk. So peace like, look at that American talking to us, man. Who does he think he is? <laughs> My name is Dan Lewis. I'm a Texan, damn it. So come on. <laughs> come on in. Dan says it like it is. Yes, I do. Michael Edwards, again, it's been amazing. It's been fun. I've learned a lot from you. And I hope people who listen to the show can learn a lot from you, too. So, man, thank you. You're welcome. This has been a brilliant opportunity. And um, thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, Church Table Productions, I'm Dan Lewis. My very special guest today was Michael Edwards. And we'll see you on down the road. Bye.